1: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: Time out for the character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
2: Welcome to Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's 701. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And guess what day it is, huh? Home. It is hump day. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing?
3: Good morning, Randy. I can't believe it's hump day already. This week is flying by.
2: It has happened in a hurry. And hump day means it's Ask Uncle Randy Day. If you want to text in 65780-715, we've got Ask Uncle Randy coming up. We're also going to talk to Polo Asensio, our friend who is the Spanish play-by-play announcer for the St. Louis Cardinals. Bob Herrig of SI will join us to talk some golf in the 9 o'clock hour. And of course, Adam Wainwright, Wednesdays with Waino. So that's why we look forward to to Wednesday so much, because we get to talk to Adam Wainwright.
3: It's always a great conversation with Wayne. I'm looking forward to that in the 9 o'clock hour.
2: The St. Louis Cardinals won again. How about those Cardinals just dominating the Marlins?
3: A come-from-behind victory for your St. Louis Cardinals. I think a lot of people watching that game, Randy, tried to check out early, and the Cardinals said, not so fast, my friend. Right.
2: Yeah, we tried to check out early on Sunday. When the Cardinals were up 5-0, that didn't go so well. No,
3: it didn't. Then it you didn't.
2: check out last night and you miss out after the Marlins had scored three in the third inning. The Cardinals started to bounce back. Dylan Carlson with an RBI hit in the fourth, then a couple in the fifth on a triple by Edmundo Sosa and a base hit by Tommy Edmond that tied the game at three apiece and brought Dylan Carlson to the plate and Carlson lifts a high fly ball in the deep right that ball is down it's a crown rule double and the Cardinals have the lead Whew, that made me feel better did it? yeah me too Just getting the lead against those guys and then you know what's going to happen next with Paul Goldschmidt up the 2-2 Goldie little flare
0: shallow rights, caught no it's dropped Bernie had it lost it run scores 5-3 Cardinals They gave Goldie
2: a hit, and the Cardinals led 5-3, and Michelle, they won 5-3, and they need to keep winning because the Brewers never lose anymore.
3: Yes, and when you drop two of three from the Cubs, you need to come out and exert yourself versus the Marlins because that can't happen versus the Cubs. But, uh, and with all of these guys out, it's a a good time to rack up some wins, too, because you know once everybody starts to get healthy, you want to make sure that you're in a good position to really overtake the division.
2: I said to Ali Marmol yesterday, if somebody would have told you that on June 29th, you'd be missing literally half of your starting lineup. No Molina, no Bader, no O'Neal. No, DeYoung. Your, your opening day lineup is 50% gone, and you'd be a half game out. Would you take it? And he said, yeah. And he said, you weren't even talking about our pitchers. That's and right. Then, yeah.
3: And think about all of the defense that you just mentioned. Right. Isn't that how this team is built on defense? That's their, their calling card, and you're missing four huge components from a, de- a defensive standpoint?
2: Yeah, five gold glovers. And last night with Edmund starting at second, you had three of them at their normal positions. But ordinarily, when Tommy's playing short... Out of your five Gold Glovers, you only have Arenado and Goldie that are playing their regular position, and obviously two of them, Bader and O'Neill, aren't even in the lineup. Although I think Tyler O'Neal might be back tonight.
3: Looking forward to that. And even though Yadier Molina and Paul DeYoung didn't win the Gold Gloves, you know that they're both so sound defensively for you as well.
2: Absolutely. It was interesting last night, and I was really worried about Dakota Hudson, who had a rough third inning. And you, you were thinking, okay, This might be one of those nights where he just isn't able to give the Cardinals the normal... A number of innings that we expect from him. I I expect seven at at this point, but he allows uh, a double to lead off the third inning, and then Rojas with a double, Fortes with a single, a ground out by Birdie, and then Gonzalez popped out, Soler with a base hit, and then Cooper grounded out to end the inning. Notable there, in all of those three runs, you didn't have a walk. So, he was asked about the troubles in the third.
1: Yeah, I mean, but make him swing the bat versus
2: beat myself, that's two different things. I don't think that happens a whole lot if, uh, you know, some balls land. It's part of the game, unfortunately. It's huge for him. For for, for Dakota Hudson to not walk people is, is giant.
3: I agree, and that's a good way to look at it
2: as well. Yeah, and Junior Fernandez... I don't think we're thinking about this, Michelle. Since he came back four appearances, six and a third, he's got a 0.00 ERA this year.
3: I know, and what an outing from him last night. In the uh, the scoreless sixth and scoreless seventh, he was huge in that game last night.
2: And he was asked if Oliver Marmol had told them that this was a big, legitimate opportunity.
1: I mean, no, they just calling my name, and if I come in and uh, put some zeros on the board, they're going to use me again. Mm-hmm. So
2: I'm just, I'm just ready any time.
3: You play to win the game, right? Yeah. If you come in and you do your job, they're going to keep calling your name.
2: Put Zero's on the board, and he has. He literally has so far this year. He's so has yeah. been great. And maybe that's that bridge guy in the 6th or the 7th that the Cardinals need with Andre Palante in the rotation. By the way, we'll talk about Palante in a second. But Gallegos with a scoreless inning. Helsley with a scoreless inning. He is an all-star, isn't yes,
3: he? he's so good.
2: And so he, he picks up his sixth save, strikes out all three batters that he faces, and the Cardinals win it by a score of 5-3. Now the finale of the series. Another reason last night was big is because you have Sandy Alcantara tonight for the Marlins. And the former Cardinal is 7-3 with a league-leading 1.95 ERA, a league-leading 106 in the third innings. He struck out 94 in those 106 innings. He's walked only 28, and he has a league-leading ERA plus of 218. Michelle... I know that we're going to get texts throughout the course of the day, and that's legitimate that people are not happy that Sandy Alcantara is a member of the Marlins, but can you imagine if the Cardinals would have kept the outfield of Pham, Fowler, and Piscotti for 2018, if they would not have made a deal, and by the way, in the year before they acquired Marcelo Zuna from the Marlins. Sandy Contra part of that deal. Ozuna hits 312 with a 376 on base, a 548 slug, a 924 OPS, Mm -hmm. and he hit 37 homers, drove home 124, and won the Gold Glove. Silver Slugger and Gold Glove Award winner. And if you look at what the Cardinals were the year before, 924 OPS, Cardinal outfielders the year before they got Marcel Ozuna were... Dexter Fowler with an eight fifty one and by by the way a forty eight four eighty-eight slug. You had Randall Gritchuk, who had a four seventy-three slug at a seven fifty-eight OPS, and Stephen Piscotti, who had a seven oh eight OPS. And the Cardinals felt like they had pitching. And by the way, the teams that are making trades with you, they always want good players back. Yeah, especially that's when usually how that goes. Yeah, when you when you're giving up a superstar, all star quality player, that's what they want. The Cardinals didn't get what they expected or wanted or needed out of Marcel Ozuna. But you did have to give up something to get him back. And
3: you have to think about it at that time, too, when we go back and we think about what the thought process was at that time. Remember, the outfield had been a carousel. Ever since Oscar Tavares tragically passed away, the Cardinals could not find their footing when it came to the outfield. It was kind of this rotation of guys that could be something but wasn't working out. And Marcelo Zuna was an established player at that time. You knew that the Marlins wanted to get rid of Mm -hmm. their star players and break it down and start over and this was an opportunity for the Cardinals to get what they viewed as a known commodity to really stabilize that outfield
2: and he was a consolation prize because the Cardinals had a deal set up to get Giancarlo Stanton mm-hmm. and Moe and Bill DeWitt went out to Malibu and actually Joel Wolfe Stanton's agent who happens to be Nolan Arenado's agent as well He was in the meeting, and he's a former Cardinal farmhand, so he's trying to talk Stanton into coming to St. Louis. But Stanton had four teams on his list. It was the four teams that had been to the NLCS the year before. It was the Cubs, Dodgers, Yankees, and Astros. Four big markets, four of the top five markets. And San Francisco made a deal for him, too, and he turned that down.
3: And if I'm remembering correctly, didn't he not want to make a deal that the Marlins wanted him to make? He wanted to do it on his own volition and didn't want to help them out in any way. And they were wanting him to make a deal with the Cardinals.
2: Yeah, he told them, he said, this is not, Stanton told, I think Jeter was still, was there at the time. Mm -hmm. And I think Stanton said, this is not going to go the way you think it's going to go. Oh,
3: he went all mo on him.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Mo right. to Schilt.
3: That's what Mo said to Schilt. This yeah, isn't going to yeah, go. This, this phone is gonna... call is not going to go the way you think yeah. it's going to go.
2: So yeah, it's a bummer to not have Sandy Alcantara as a member of the Cardinals, but there was a reason for the trade at the time, and I think we have to go back to that point in time rather than look at it five years later and say, "Man, why did they trade Sandy Alcantara for uh, Marcelo Zuna?" There was a, a reason they they weren't trade they weren't giving up an all star great pitcher at the time. For a guy who since has had legal problems and showed up overweight and had a bad shoulder. At that point, <laughs> Marcelo Zuna was a great player, and Sandy Alcantara was a lottery ticket, and a winning lottery ticket, as it turned out.
3: Is there a worse trifecta than that? Legal problems, showed up overweight, and has a bad shoulder? Pretty
2: bad. Pretty bad combo. <laughs> pretty
3: bad. That's yeah. not a bingo card you want to fill up.
2: <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, a couple of other quick notes for you. As we mentioned, the Brewers, winners over the Rays last night, 5-3, to three, and Michelle Uh, we talked about this yesterday, but the rumors are done with the difficult part of their schedule. And now they've got the Pirates and Cubs coming up. So the Cardinals need to take care of business against Philly and Atlanta over the next couple of weeks. Or there's a chance that they could be Four, five, six games out. By the time we get to the All Star break,
3: better chance of taking care of Philly though without Bryce Harper, Randy, Absolutely. who's out because of an injured thumb,
2: and they have they have really struggled. And a big trade in the NBA, and the reason that this is interesting to me is because the Knicks are trading six million dollars, two second round draft picks, Nerlens Noel, and Alec Burks, so multiple assets to Detroit for nothing. They get nothing back in return, except for cap space. And they're going to sign Jalen Brunson. But I always love that trade for nothing. The Cardinals traded Neil Allen to the New York Yankees in 1985 for future considerations that wound up being nothing. The all time great was before the strike in 1994, the Indians traded Dave Winfield to the Twins for future considerations. Mm -hmm. Then the strike happened and Winfield never played for the Twins. So the next year at the winter meetings, the future considerations became a dinner a dave, dinner dave winfield got traded for dinner
3: i wonder what was on the menu
2: i think it was a nice steak dinner okay okay that's yeah. good it wasn't, mean... it wasn't the bag of balls the proverbial bag of balls but yeah as it turned out the uh, the twins people wound up buying the cleveland front office people dinner
3: yeah, no disrespect to McDonald's, arguably the best fries in the world, yeah. but you don't really want to get traded for a Big Mac.
2: No, you want to get dealt for a, a Manny's steak or something. Yeah. I might have this. Hold on here one second, uh, because... Yeah, Matthew's here. Matthew. Well,
1: well, well, while Randy looks for that, did you say arguably the best fries?
3: Yes, who, there who are makes, other makes the argument? other great fries out there. I think Lion's Choice just won local best fries, oh, and Lion's okay. Choice fries are the bomb.
2: They're great. Okay. Chick
3: Fil A waffle fries, little Polynesian Tremendous, sauce. Yeah. Come on, what are we doing here?
2: Yeah. By the way, head to Chick Fil A today We're and get one, one of those uh, fabulous Sun Joys and get some fries with it. Those yeah. waffle fries are do delicious. Do it in
3: honor of Adam Wainwright. Go down to Chick Fil A because Chick Fil A is so gracious and sponsors Wednesdays with Wayno If you enjoyed last week's interview with Adam Wainwright, which how could you do, not? Yeah. We all really. Loved that one. Go to Chick Fil A today. Uh,
2: it was, by the way, a hundred dollar steak dinner that they got traded for Dave Winfield. That's
3: it, hundred dollars. Well, hundred
2: dollars per plate, I think.
3: Oh, okay, okay.
2: So, yeah, pretty good.
3: That makes you feel a little better, no?
2: If you're Dave Winfield, yeah, better than a slice of pizza. No, no, pizza's pretty good.
3: Now, uh, I want to go back just a second. Would you put the Knicks in the top five tortured fan bases in America right now? Yes, they have to be, right?
2: Yeah, it's about their owner, it's about the fact that they've really been in cap hell for the better part. Oh, Michelle, I think we can go back to the mid, certainly the the early 90s. So we're talking 30 plus years of cap hell, and they they had the finals appearance, right, in 94. And then in 99, they were pretty good, but they really have not been a, a viable franchise for the better part of 30 years now.
3: No. And it just feels like they have these moments where they kind of start and then they stop, and you think, oh, maybe this player or this coach is going to be the one mm-hmm. that turns it around, and then it's like, oh, no, wait, James Dolan's still running this sh- this show, so no.
2: Yeah, and I, I would guess that the NBA, because I, to this day, believe in the conspiracy theory that the 1985 draft lottery was late, weighted literally towards them mm-hmm. so the Knicks could get Patrick Ewing. But then, whether it was David Stern or Adam Silver, they say, check with this Dolan guy. We aren't going to give him any advantages. So they aren't going to get the lottery advantages like they used to. I always forget, is
1: Patrick Ewing the, the bent corner or the frozen envelope? Uh, no, that was the heavy, the
2: weighted ball.
1: Oh, the weighted ball to actually win the lottery. Okay, yeah. I, thought that, I thought that was one where they, where they were still doing it, where they had all the giant placards in a, in a bowl, and they rolled it around and then picked the oh, cards yeah. out. And there was one year there was a bent corner, right the first right. overall pick yep. and then there was another year where the, the colders theory was that it was fr- they they put that pick in into the uh freezer i think that might have been one of the magic's one lotteries they did in the, of the one. early 90s Yeah, where it was they put it apparently in the freezer so that the commissioner when he could feel the cold one and then pull that out yeah
2: brilliant i love i love nba conspiracy lotteries the a lot of the conspiracies is the best all right we're off and running here on 101 ESPN coming up get your text in to the air comfort service text line 65780 or send us a rhino shield mic drop If you would like to ask Uncle Randy here on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN.
4: I've been around,
2: you know. All right, it's summertime, and that means a, a lot of consternation. I know that you might be dealing with some things, and I'm here to ease your mind. I'm Uncle Randy, and Michelle has your questions for me.
3: From the six three six, dear go Randy. Given how long it's taking to announce the XFL teams, do we even care anymore? I kind of don't. <laughs> I kind of don't. And I, I'm, I'm wearing with you. a battle shirt today, though. Cuckoo! By the way, I yeah. cuckooed someone at Whole Foods the other day. Huh? It felt great.
2: Did somebody caca you back?
3: Yeah, he was wearing a battle hog shirt, and, you know, I was just getting my oat milk, and I looked over, and I was like, "Kaka," and he was like, he kind of stared at me, and then he looked down at his shirt, and he laughed, and was like, oh, Kaka."
2: <laughs> so, we now, forget,
3: we forget even now, right, it's been yeah. so long.
2: Now it's Kaka. I mean, you got, now, July, August, September, October, November, December, January, to try to put together a league. You had seven months to try to put together a league. I don't know about that, so I question, yeah. Question, by the way, I was at Mobile on the Run the other day, a guy wearing a nice 101 ESPN t shirt. I said, Great shirt! And he said, Oh, thank you. That's Randy Carricker from 101 ESPN. He had no idea who it was. He oh. said, I was. They were giving these away at Dave and Buster's one time, and I got it as a prize.
3: Love it's- that. Stay humble, Randy. <laughs> totally. Wow, take it down a notch. <laughs> he was probably like, Cool, do you work in sales there or something? <laughs> Actually, I'm on the air. You may have heard me seven to 10. Monday through Friday. So, you, so you're over the XFL, over the Battle Hawks. Yeah, I am. Wow. Uh, From the 314, Dear Uncle Randy, how do I get my cute barista's phone number?
2: Who is it? You're, the
3: barista. That's oh. the person that makes the coffee.
2: Ask her what her number is. Say, hey, you want to get together sometime? Matthew, look at Michelle. He's snapping her fingers. So here's the play. Your cute barista. Say, hey, uh, cute barista. Uh... You're working all day today you off tonight uh would you like to get together sometime she'll say yes you say can, you, can i get your digits and you're good i think and michelle you can uh weigh in on this because you would know better than i but i i think a, a level of not aggression <laughs> but fun assertiveness would work well here yeah. It's it, got to be fun.
3: Of course. It depends on how frequently you go there. Are you a regular? Does she already know who you are? He says
2: you're, she, she is his, his, barista. his cute barista. Yeah.
3: So if you're coming in every day, you're like, oh, flat white for Joe or whatever. Yeah. And maybe if she's like oh, you want the regular or something, then you already have that rapport, you can definitely ask her out. Now, be prepared to switch coffee shops if this goes poorly.
2: True, good point.
3: And think about if that's worth it to you. Is this coffee you can't live without?
2: I had not even considered that possibility. Is this closest
3: to your work? Is it going to be a pain for you to go to a different coffee shop? And you know what? I think in today's world, if you ask somebody out and they say no, it's really not that big of a deal. No, it's not. You just keep it moving. But you might want to lay low for a little bit if mm-hmm. you if she says no and feels you could tell she feels weirdly about it. Just read the situation.
2: That's the key. Is yeah, you you have to be able to figure out what her interest level is and her level of disdain if you do ask her out.
3: Maybe. What's a smooth way you could do this, Randy? Maybe like when you go to sign your bill, write your phone number on the bottom and say, "Here's my number. Text me if you want to go to dinner sometime." Put the ball in her court.
2: That's a great play. Because
3: at her place of employment, she might feel awkward as the as the person that is treating the customer Mm -hmm. and feel like she has to give you her number, which puts her in a tough bind. So just write your number uh, when you sign your your receipt, slide it on over. Say, hey, I think you're great. I You make my mornings awesome. I look forward to coming in and seeing you every day. Text me. She, I would love to take you to dinner.
2: There is some fun assertiveness. I like that a lot.
3: Right? And then guess what? If she doesn't text you, you've gotten the hint.
2: Either that or she never saw the note
3: no no you gotta tell her you gotta slide it across you make my mornings i love your smile you make a flat white unlike anyone else i've ever met i'd love to take you to dinner
2: is it hard to make a flat white i don't even know what a flat white is
3: i'm not a barista randy i make my same cup of coffee at home every day i brew it on my little italian coffee maker some collagen powder a flat white to me
2: sounds like you're pouring a glass of milk
3: no it's not okay no, it's not. But you know, all of these baristas today—they're artists. They can make a leaf in your coffee. They're Sometimes incredible. they can make a—you know—swirl your name in there. I don't even know. It's—it's it's an art form. It really is.
2: There's a lot of people that I know—not a lot, but several—that say if they weren't doing what they're doing, they would like to be a barista or a barista. is it a barista?
3: A barista. Yeah. Oh, you're saying—is it a baristo? If it's—if yeah. ma- it's, if it's the it's male. A male. Yeah. I don't know. We need to get research on that. Yeah. But I think I would really love to be a barista. But I think I have this idealized version of it that, because I love, I I always say this, I love that we spend our mornings with people. Uh I would love to do something else that would bring a smile to someone's face in the morning. But I have this idealized version that people like you, Randy, would come in and be like, Randy, what's going on? Let me get your cold brew right up. Would you like a muffin today? (laughs) We kind of talk about the Cardinals Um, win last night. I think most people are going to come in and be mean and crappy. (laughs) I think they are, yeah. (laughs) Until they get their coffee, right? (laughs) Until they get their coffee. Okay, moving on. From the 314, Dear Uncle Randy and Aunt Michelle, have you ever had a corporate boss that was power hungry and made your life hell yeah and if so how did you deal with it left you did
2: <laughs> i left X, yeah it was terrible like, like the, the worst boss ever worst i've had
3: terrible a terrible ever. boss too yeah. it so, was real. oh yeah
2: yeah it was real and bad you know what there's either you wait it out like michelle did or you leave like i did <laughs>
3: we literally took the the opposite approaches and it worked out for both of us. It
2: did, right. You know what I've
3: learned? If someone's that terrible, eventually the people above them will figure it out. Yeah. It might take years. Yeah. Or they'll commit a crime and get fired. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe. God, that was bad though. I do not envy that because you spend more time at work than you do anywhere else. And if your boss is miserable, your existence is miserable.
2: Yeah, there is no good reason to be miserable. Life is too short to deal with crap like that. So especially in this job market, if you're reliable, and I I tell all young people, if you're a young person listening and you're going to get into the job market, you're in college right now and you're gonna graduate. I used to tell my kids what's gonna set you apart is your work ethic and both of my kids are very hard workers. Mm What sets a young person apart now in the job market is showing up. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So just show up and then work hard and if you're looking for another job there will be one out there but don't live a life of misery because of a bad boss.
3: It's kind of amazing and we have the best bosses ever, ever here at 101 ESPN and at Hubbard Radio. Mike Ryder, Tommy Mattern, John Kiowski could not ask for three better people to be your bosses. They truly are the best. But we've had bad bosses. And it's kind of amazing how many people who are not qualified in any way and should never be managing people ascend to that position.
2: Yeah, it's... It's unbelievable how people fall up, right?
3: Yeah, fall up. Yeah, totally. Yeah.
2: So I had a boss. The, the only time I've ever been fired was at 550. Everybody got fired. And uh, the the guy, well, late. So I'll, I'll say his name. His name was Al Brady Law. He was a jerk. Quick story. <laughs> when he fired me, he was from out of town. And he had the brilliant idea of programming disco on radio stations in the 70s. Brilliant. So he became, quote unquote, legendary program director okay. so they hire him at KTRS and he fires everybody oh wow and as I'm walking out I said hey have you been to the hill yet no he said I said have you been to North County no I said maybe have you been to like Soulard or have you been to South County no I, I can't say I have I said well, you might want to do some research on this market before you start whacking everybody any or al- I knew he already had and he said, "Randy, if you knew this market, you wouldn't be standing there right now without a job." <gasps> so, zing. Yeah, he got me. Then about <sighs> a year later, he dies, and I he get up, died. Yeah, he died. So somebody from KTRS called me, and today hey, Al Brady Law died, and I said, "Good riddance." He deserved wow. it. You don't treat me that way, buddy.
3: That's right. I know he's dead, but I hate him for you, Randy. Thank you very much. I appreciate
2: <laughs> You know that. what?
5: I, I don't like him.
3: I know he's six feet under, but how dare he say that to my friend and co-worker? If you don't say that to my partner. Oh, man. But Isn't that the worst, though, to have a boss like that? Uh, the worst. Oh, man. The stories that I could tell of the things that were said and done to me. Oh, Ooh, man. I should write a book, book about yep. that. Let me tell you. One day there will be a tell-all book. For the 618, dear Uncle Randy, I need a 4th of July side dish, dish recommendation. It can be a dessert or a side, since we uh, we have your carrot cake. So let's just remove dessert, and we'll go strictly sides.
2: Here's my play, and I can I will recite if you want, or put it on Twitter. Uh, my wife makes like the best pasta salad with grapes and black olives. It's the best. Grapes so, and olives. Oh, uh, that's yeah, great. Yeah, that's fantastic. I've never yeah. and and of Bow those. tie pasta. It's fantastic. Wow. Okay. So I will get that uh, pasta salad recipe for you, and I can guarantee you it's deliciousness. So I, I'll take care of you. So just follow me on Twitter. Follow Michelle on Twitter or Instagram. And I'll even put a picture of it up on the Insta. And so that you have that before the 4th of July. I'll, I'll put it on there today.
3: Very good, Randy. Because people need to go out and get their grocery shopping done before it's, it's a, a zoo over at Schnucks. That's yeah. right. Now, I have two side dishes. Or I have one side dish and one sneaky play if you are crushed for time. I hate to give this up because this is like my my secret weapon. But the best side dish that you can bring to a barbecue, easy side dish, is Allison Roman's corn salad. It's got regular corn, it's got corn nuts mm. that add a nice little texture. So easy to make. Just Google it Allison Roman corn salad. You're welcome also a lot of people in st louis they love Straub's chicken salad and who uh-huh. doesn't it's great great the sneaky best thing at Straubs is their sour cream potato salad if you're looking for a quick thing to grab before a barbecue grab the Straub's sour cream potato salad guaranteed
2: hit okay so if you want to buy a couple that those are good you can even put it in a
3: container a different container pretend you made it yourself sorry Straubs. great idea Okay, should we do one more? One more. All right, let's find one. There's so many good ones today. Okay, this is from the 636. Dear Uncle Randy, where's a good place for a golfing bachelorette party, preferably a state that borders Missouri?
2: Okay, um There so it's it's a golf course that we're going we're going golfing.
3: We're going golfing bachelorette party, preferably a state that's close to Missouri.
2: Okay. I would suggest two things. Number one, across the state, there is a Tiger Woods designed course in Springfield called Payne's Valley, and it is sensational. You would love Payne's Valley. Uh, The other thing that I would do at this time of year, you've got a bachelorette party going. There's a million great courses in Chicagoland. A million oh, great courses. Yeah, good so call. drive up to Chicago they've got a lot of good public courses you can just go to golf digest.com or just go to Chicago if you Google Chicago golf they'll have a bunch of ideas for you and you you can't beat either of those spots so Springfield right off the bat or uh, or anywhere in Chicago but nightlife nightlife in Chicago after a day of golf pretty awesome
3: great restaurants the weather's yeah. so good this time of right. the year that's actually a great call Randy because yeah. you're probably thinking of places that aren't Illinois because it's so close to us but Chicago's always a great play
2: it's really underutilized I think I, I need to get there more
3: I do too I haven't
2: been in a while
3: I don't right. even think I've been since the pandemic I haven't either should we do a road trip I a character sh- and smallman road good trip idea. yeah
2: yeah well, you know, the,
3: we just missed the Cardinals and Cubs I about think, a couple weeks ago. Yeah,
2: maybe we could do the, like a September series there. That sounds so fun. Yeah. So let's plan on that.
3: We, by the way, we get so many people that text in, Randy, and ask you how to ask girls out. Well, Barisha, we have a couple uh-huh. more about about asking girls out that you like at the gym. Just go for it, people.
2: I think that's the thing. I think so many of us are f- afraid of rejection. And guys, I'll tell you this. Number one, most women, if they aren't attached, they want to date somebody too. So if you ask them nicely and you're fun, generally you're going to get a yes. And if you get a no, you say, okay, fine. There's another girl that works out at my gym. I'll ask her. It's just move on to the next
0: one.
3: I think so many people, Randy, date through their phones now that the thought True. of asking someone out in person seems intimidating and maybe overwhelming. But think about that instead of swiping, this person could see you face to face and catch a yep. vibe from you in real life. You are a throwback. You're the, di- you are different because you have the confidence to ask someone out in person.
2: Smile and the world smiles with you. <laughs> so make sure that you are thought of as a fun happy smiling person
3: that is the best uncle randy line of all time smile and the world smiles with you Yep, the
2: world's world's gonna smile back if you smile it.
3: tough when you're wearing a mask man the pandemic was bad for smilers yeah Uh,
2: thank you michelle you're welcome And thank you very much for all of your texts we do appreciate them next up baseball might be in some trouble we'll tell you why next on 101 espn
0: we're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
2: On the heels of the 1919 Black Sox scandal, Judge Kenesaw Mountain Landis was installed as the first commissioner of baseball, and one of the first things he asked for from Congress was a blanket antitrust exemption from the U.S. government for baseball, and that pretty much gives baseball the ability to have a legal monopoly. So when a Major League Baseball team, for example, the NFL doesn't have a complete antitrust exemption, but... When, when a baseball team wants to move like the Rams did, baseball can say, no, you aren't moving. We are in complete control here. When baseball wants to control prices, they can do so. Baseball is essentially a legal monopoly. And that extends not only to the major league level, Michelle, but to the minor league level. And we've talked to uh, several people on this show over the years about the the issues that minor league players deal with in the amount of money they're being paid. Well, now Dick Durbin of Illinois, along with several other politicians, including senators, Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut and Mike Lee of Utah have sent a letter to major league baseball. And they've announced that quote, we need to examine how major league Baseball's 100 year old antitrust exemption is affecting the operation of minor league baseball teams and the ability of minor league ball players to make a decent living. And, To me, this should have been a simple solve by baseball many moons ago. Baseball makes so much money, Mm -hmm. but they weren't willing and haven't been willing to pay minor leaguers a living wage. And eventually, somebody in the government is going to get wind of this, and lawsuits have been filed, and they've had hearings about it, and... Now, baseball faces the loss of their antitrust exemption because they aren't willing to pay minor leaguers a a viable wage.
3: I'm kind of surprised that this has endured for as long as it has, Randy, 100 years, because baseball is the only professional sports organization in this country that's allowed this exemption. You would think that the other leagues would have made more of a big Mm -hmm. deal about this or that uh, the government would have thought, why is baseball the outlier here? Why are they getting this preferential treatment? But they shouldn't be able to have... All of this control if they're going to be underpaying their minor league workers. I mean, there is so much documentation about how difficult it is for minor league players to make a healthy living wage and the conditions that a lot of these guys have to endure. And this isn't for a short period of time. Some of these guys are doing this for years, and they also have families. And if baseball is unwilling to take a look at how they've been treating and compensating their minor league players, I think that this should definitely should be on the table for them to lose.
2: An example, there was a business here in St. Louis at the outset of fantasy sports, an online business that set up their online fantasy game so that they had Major League logos and Major League players, because that's the only way you can play. And Major League Baseball and the Players Association filed a lawsuit seeking to prevent this company from using Major League logos or players' names on their their website. And they won because of the antitrust exemption. What an antitrust exemption is? is meant to do, it prevents businesses from engaging in anti-competitive practices, like the one that we just described. So baseball, whatever non-competitive practice they want to engage in, whether it's not allowing uh, apparel companies to use their name, likeness, or logo, or if it's uh, not allowing another league to compete against them, there really has been no challenge to baseball in terms of another league since 1922. They're allowed to do that. And the sole reason that these senators are asking to review the antitrust exemption is so that the players, the minor league players, can get a better opportunity to be competitive for salaries.
3: One of the things that I never understood about baseball is why they didn't take better care of their minor league players, because this is your future. These are players that are going to come up and impact your product. And why wouldn't you want to make sure that they have the best possible resources available so that your product could be the best that it could be? Why are you not making sure that they're getting access to a great place to sleep and healthy foods and that they're getting enough money to support their families and continue on their, their careers of playing baseball? Baseball so that eventually they have a shot to go to the majors. It just never connected to me that this is part of your product and that you should be pouring into that because it's ultimately going to benefit you.
2: You're a business that has has revenues of $15 billion. If I'm one of those teams, if I'm the St. Louis Cardinals and I'm Bill DeWitt third and Bill DeWitt Jr., what I want to do is build an infrastructure so that if I bring players from Latin America, the first thing that they learn is how to speak English and about nutrition. So mm-hmm. they aren't eating fast food every single night. Right. I'm going to, as the Cardinals have done with their Springfield team, I'm going to provide them reasonable meals, lunch and dinner, And I'm going to do it just in partnership with restaurants in the market because people love minor league baseball. So you can have six nights a week, a different restaurant cater to your players so that they have a reasonably nutritious meal. Give them some signage
3: and a shout out too. It's not hard to have some synergy
2: there. And I'm going to have the best coaching at the minor league level. I've got major league coaches that are making $350,000. I've got minor league coaches that are making $18,000. Now, I'm not going to make that dramatic of a switch, but I'm going to increase the amount of money that my minor league coaches are making because I want to have the best coaches down there teaching my 17 and 18-year-olds how to play. They should know how to play by the time they get to the major league level. Now, I'm not saying you completely disband a major league coaching staff. I'm saying that they really do a disservice to their players. When we talk about nurturing players and getting them ready for the major leagues, provide them the ability to communicate, provide them food, provide them the ability to have shelter, and provide them education about what is going to make them the best, nutrition and being healthy. I don't, I don't get why the major leagues wouldn't insist upon that and why you know, Bill DeWitt Jr. says to his staff every day, what is our competitive advantage? Wouldn't that provide the Cardinals a tremendous competitive advantage if no other team is doing what I just described?
3: It absolutely would. But what you also outlined are basic human needs, right, right. (laughs) shelter, nutrition, education. These are are things that should be no brainers. This should not even be part of the conversation. And when you think about some of the facilities and perks that college athletes are getting compared to Mm -hmm. what some of these minor league teams are dealing with, it's night and day. I mean, I got the, good fortune when I worked at ESPN to travel around to some of the best uh, college programs in the country and get a view at the facilities. A lot of these players are living large. You know what I mean? They have access to everything that they could possibly Mm -hmm. need in college. So why would it be any different in in the minors? I'm sure some of these guys, if you're coming from a big college program, you have access to all of the food that you need you're probably getting geared up mm-hmm. you know you know that the baseball team is going to take care of you and you have a comfortable place to live and then you're going into the minor leagues and it's a step down from that how does that make any sense
2: It's ridiculous quick story we have a nephew that got drafted by the Yankees a, a few years ago he was he grew up in the Dallas suburbs and a millionaire was subsidizing his travel team when he was in high school, 16, 17 years old. They're traveling the country on a private plane, eating at the nicest restaurants, staying at the nicest hotels. Wow. Goes to Central Michigan. They fly commercial. But they stay at reasonable hotels, and the food's good. It's it's college athlete food. Gets drafted by the Yankees, goes to A-ball, staying five to an apartment. They have to buy their own food and eat fast food, and they're riding on buses. The best experience he had in terms of baseball was when he was a high schooler.
3: How does that make any sense? And he was drafted by the Yankees. Yeah, in
2: the fifth round. The Yankees. He, he, so he, he was a, a good prospect, got traded to the Rockies, and eventually was released after the pandemic started. But how can, how can you, as organized baseball, not take care of your minor leaguers as well as Central Michigan University does?
3: It makes absolutely no sense, because you're certainly not lacking in resources.
2: No. Not at all. And to go back to what we're talking about with this antitrust exemption, one of the issues that baseball has is that it would cost so little to provide a living wage for minor leaguers, about half of what Max Scherzer makes in a year is what for every single minor leaguer in in organized baseball to have a living wage and make about $50,000 a year.
3: Oh, so they're just being greedy.
2: Yeah, that's what it comes down
3: Instead to. Instead of taking care of their players in yeah. their minor leagues. That makes sense.
2: So this is going to be interesting to see because if baseball loses their antitrust exemption, there are a lot of ancillary issues that will come of it. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Take it or leave it. Coming your way next on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast.
2: Take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle, Rocky Randy, great to have you with us. Michelle and Matthew, you both saw that John Wall got bought out by the Houston Rockets and moved on to the L.A. Clippers. Are you aware that there is a player, a free agent from Miami of Ohio named Darian Ringo who's still out there? Take it or leave it. The Clippers need to sign him so that they have John, Paul George, and Ringo.
3: I'm gonna leave that.
2: Oh come on! I mean, I, I. It doesn't get any better than that. I
3: get where you're going with the Beatles, there, Randy. Oh, but I just am gonna leave that. That would be fun.
1: It would be. No, you absolutely take it. Yeah, that's, that's. Thank you, Matthew. You know what? You had a really good dad joke yesterday. I can't remember what it was. It was intricate though. Uh, that's that's really good though. They have John, Paul, George, and Ringo.
3: Paul George just get checking two off the list. I made right myself there. laugh. That I know. So good. But- There you go, Randy. So uh, Bryce Harper is having thumb surgery. He has a fractured thumb, and um, that surgery is going to stabilize that thumb. First thought was, oh, no, is he going to be out the entire season? But fear not, Phillies fans, because it looks like the best-case scenario is that he's going to return in about four to six weeks. He could be in the lineup, best-case scenario, again, by the end of August. Right now, the Phillies are third in. In the NL East, they're eight games behind the New York Mets. They have a 39-36 and record. Take it or leave it, the Phillies missed the playoffs.
2: I am going to take that, Michelle. I don't think that they'll be able to recover from these six weeks. And even when players come back from thumb thumb injuries during a season or or finger or hand injuries, it's really hard to get that mojo back. We've seen it here a couple times in St. Louis. Tony Pena injured a thumb in, I think, his second game as a Cardinal in 1987. Andres Galarraga got hit early in his Cardinal career and was never really the same with the Cardinals. So I'm going to say that that hand will bother Bryce Harper all year long.
3: Can I give you another one? Yeah. Take it or leave it the Phillies... R slash will be the biggest disappointment in baseball this season.
2: I'm going to take that. I'm going to take Remember it too. At the beginning of the season, Greg Amsinger said they were going to be the biggest surprise. Yeah. And they've already fired their manager. They've lost their MVP player. Their starting pitching hasn't been what it was supposed to be. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately. All right. Your text six five seven eight zero and uh, Rocky has your text for us when he gets back to the microphone. I I I I did not know Andres
1: Galarraga. God, Andres Galarraga came through St. Louis for a year. Yep, he what was supposed to be the heck? big middle of the lineup bat. Yeah, How did I did not know that. If That's he would have been healthy, that uh,
2: that team under Tori would have been pretty good, actually.
1: Yeah, I had no idea. I that I, I completely just complete gap in my in my in my knowledge in his career Ooh. to my mind. Vegas has Donovan at longer longer odds to win Rookie of the Year than Yepez or Gorman. Take it or leave it. Donovan
2: is the best bet. I'm going to take that. Somebody last night said that they got Donovan at plus two thousand. I think for huh. rookie of the year. Yeah. I think that's a good call.
1: Yeah,
2: I say go for it.
3: I I would throw money down on that.
2: Yeah, even though he's is he zero for ten or something like that. That's okay. He'll be back.
3: Oh, he's he's a ball player. He'll figure yeah. it out.
1: Sixty six taken or leave it. The Cardinals' July schedule is tough and will be the true test of how this team is. Let's pull up the. I, mean, July I believe schedule.
2: that because. The, the Cardinals are a September team. They are. And we saw middle of the season last year what happened. It was June last year. I do think that they can have some difficulty in July.
3: You want it? You want it, the schedule? Yeah, let's hear it. At the Phillies for three, at Atlanta for four. Philly comes here for four. You got the Dodgers, you got the Reds, and that closes out the first half. Stand by. I'll and give I you the think second half. It needs
1: to be said, after tomorrow's day off, that's 17 games in the first 17 days of July. They go, they go right through that, that stretch right there without a single day off.
3: Then you close out the month. You have the Reds, the Blue Jays for two. You're in Toronto at Washington. Chicago for three. Oh, excuse me, that's August. And then to start August, you have the Cubs for three and then the Yankees for three.
2: You play 500 or close to 500 in July, you're going to be just fine.
3: But after the Yankees, you get the Rockies.
2: By the way, the Cardinals, if I'm not mistaken, have, and Danny Mack and I were talking about this last night, they either have the easiest or second easiest schedule for the rest of the season in all of Major League Baseball. Uh, The the September schedule, Michelle, last year the Cardinals, remember, won 17 in a row. Yes, I do.
3: Hot, hot, hot.
2: Yep. Cubs at home for three, Nationals at home for four, at Pittsburgh, day off, Uh, Brewers here for two, Reds here for four, at Padres for three, at Dodgers for three. Uh, at brewers for two and then three here against the pirates and three at pittsburgh to wrap up the season that's where the cardinals are going to either make or miss the playoffs
3: that's a nice little pittsburgh stretch to close out the regular season oh yeah
1: wow this guy said he's got goldie at mvp for 2800 for plus 2800 I bet he got that before the season That sir. isn't a a un- good call. That, that You got to be feeling good about that right now. Man, that would make me feel great. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals absolutely tank in the second half of the season. They fire Ali Marmol and they hire Joe Girardi. Leave it. What? Oh my God, the takes.
3: <laughs> leave it on yeah. both counts. The they're not going to fire Ali Marmol and they're not going to tank in the second half.
2: Let's throw out this fun fact again for those that haven't always been paying attention. Ooh, ooh. Can, I, can, yes, I guess what, can I guess what the answer to the question is? Yes. Five days. Five days. Since 2010, since the end of the 2010 season, the Cardinals have played five total games between 2010 and 2021, five total games where they didn't have a chance to make the playoffs. They played zero in 2016, one in 2017, and four in 2018, and that's it.
3: Those are the five games. And and what's that stretch again, Randy, in case people weren't paying attention? Yeah, that would
2: be uh, 1,620 games between 2010 and 2000. Well, you you had to shorten the COVID season. Sure, of course. Uh, So you're talking about 1,700 games, a little over 1,700 games, and five of them have not had an opportunity to make the playoffs for the Cardinals.
3: Five.
1: Just
2: out of... Seventeen hundred.
1: I love that stat so much. Take it or leave it. As a side hustle, Randy could start a life coaching podcast. Oh,
3: take hundred percent. Take, oh yeah, we
1: can Do a podcast.
3: Uncle Randy has the best advice out there.
1: Yeah, side hustle. <laughs> I wish people could hear his advice off the air. Sometimes it's even better than it's even better than the Ask yeah. Uncle Uncle Randy segment. Sometimes
3: that's why you need a podcast.
1: They exactly right.
3: expanded exactly. life advice from Uncle
2: Raw. Randy.
1: Take it or leave it with Tommy Edmonds play at shortstop so far this season. We have officially seen the last of Paul DeYoung in the majors as a Cardinal. Take it. I'm going to
2: leave that. You think you're going to see him know. as a
3: Cardinal again?
2: If they don't move him, I could, I, I would be stunned if he keeps producing if they didn't bring him up as the 27th or 28th guy in September.
3: But don't, I just assume that they're going to move him.
2: Yeah, I do too. And it just makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. The pr- trade Paul DeYoung and uh, a starting pitcher. For a mid-level starting pitcher that may or may not be on the major league level right now, that you don't like the slider of, for Madison Bumgarner and Ian Kennedy. Mad bum. That's well, my offer. I'm sending a text. Mike Hazen, he's pick, the GM of the Marlins. Pick the up. D- it's D- Uncle D-back. Randy's. Yep, I got a deal. Line for Line
3: one. Now, you know, I know you've been honking for Mad bum yeah, for mad bum. a minute, a minute now. The more I think about it, Randy, it just makes so much sense. It really does. He looks like he was born to wear the birds on the bat.
2: And could you, well, let's put it this way. You're driving down the road right now. If Madison Bumgarner starts game three of a playoff series for you, do you like it or not?
3: I feel pretty good. The even greatest this,
2: postseason pitcher of all time.
3: Even at this stage of the career, I yep. feel
2: pretty good about it. I do, too. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your texts. We do appreciate them. Next up, the Cardinals with a big win over the Marlins last night. Why was it so big? We'll tell you why next on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
2: 8.07, time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. It's Carricker and Smallman on the heels of a Cardinals 5-3 win over the Marlins last night at the ballpark. And it looked bad when the Cardinals fell behind 3-0 in the third inning, Michelle. And after losing 2-3 of three to the Cubs, the Cardinals had to win at least 2-3 of three against the Marlins. And if you don't come back from that 3-0 deficit last night and you have Sandy Alcantara on the mound yeah. for the Marlins tonight, you're looking at losing back-to-back three-game series at home to the Cubs and Marlins. The Cardinals just couldn't have that happen. For a playoff spot that's going to be dicey, it's going to come down to one or two games. They really aren't in a position to go two and four at home against those two teams.
3: Can you imagine what our show would look like if, and our text line would look like if the Cardinals dropped two of three to the Cubs and then to the Marlins back-to-back? Yikes. That would not have been good, would've, Randy.
2: would have been deserved thrashing by the fans.
3: Yeah, you you definitely don't do that. If, you, if you're a team that truly is going to be a contender, you can't be losing two out of three to those teams back-to-back. I don't care what the circumstances are. But there's just certain games, Randy, when you see the pitching matchup, regardless of who the Cardinals are throwing, that you're going to circle as. This probably isn't going to go well for the Cardinals. Whenever Corbin Burns gets the ball, I'm going to assume it's an L. Even if Miles Michaelis goes out there and matches him pitch for pitch, when you, when you have Corbin Burns going, followed by Williams and Hayter, you know it's going to be a rough day for the Cardinals offense. I feel the same way about Sandy Alcantara. Whenever I see that he's got the ball, I'm going to go ahead and chalk that up for an L for the Cardinals. Now, if they go out and beat him, even better. But that's why it's so important that you come back and win a game like last night and you take the series because I'm assuming today is going to be tough sledding for the Cardinals offense.
2: And Sandy Alcantara generally provides his team A quality start when you look at this month seven innings no earned runs against the Giants nine innings no earned runs against Washington Uh, seven and two-thirds and two earned runs against Philadelphia eight innings two earned runs against the the Mets and then his last outing at home against the Mets he went seven innings and allowed four earned runs so for the first time let me come back he had had before that one two three four five six seven i'm counting quality starts eight eight consecutive quality starts so you have to count on him bouncing back with another quality start tonight against the cardinals so last night when the cardinals came back from that three nothing deficit that was huge the other question i have and, and I look at Dakota Hudson, I, I like Dakota Hudson. I don't want to take him out of the rotation. I know that if everything goes perfectly for the Cardinals and they get a pitcher and they get mats back, there are people that would like to see him in the bullpen. I'm fine with Dakota Hudson being a fourth or fifth starter. What do you think of him?
3: That's the role that I put him in. I don't think he's going to be an ace for you, but I think being a fourth or fifth starter, he's he's a good option for you there. Normally he's going to give you some innings. and. I I feel like, especially last night too, he finds a way to to work himself Mm -hmm. out through the game. So I'm completely fine with that. Now, would I like Matts to come back and be effective? Of course. Would I like the Cardinals to not just rely on Dakota Hudson being that guy and be aggressive at the deadline to go out and fortify their starting rotation and get some pitching? Absolutely. But I am in no way um, anti-Dakota Hudson.
2: I know people get frustrated by the walks, but that's just part of what he is and he's able to work around him he won 16 games the year he led the league in walks he does make pitches and he's able to uh, get out of bad situations so i'm with you all right i want to touch on one other thing and that is steven Matz. and i want he was uh he's supposed to start yeah he's on a rehab assignment for the cardinals right now down in memphis and uh, last night he only pitched two innings he struck out three and uh, allowed only uh, one base runner. So he had a good start, but he's going to need more time as he rehabs. But getting two scoreless innings in is a good thing.
3: It is. Do you think because of what happened with Jack Flaherty, we will see maybe a more conservative rehab plan for pitchers moving forward?
2: I do. And I don't believe we've had Steven Metz on the show. We've talked to him down at the ballpark. He's not as insistent (laughs) as Jack Flaherty is. He's not going to say... I'm ready to go. I think that he'll probably, like Jack Flaherty said, he did listen to the Cardinal doctors. But like Mo said, he wanted Flaherty to take at least one more rehab start. And I think Matt's, they'll probably work him up to at least 75 pitches if not 90, before he comes back and makes a start.
3: I would expect that to be a given after what happened with Jack Flaherty, that you're going to work him up to 75, maybe more, before you consider bringing him back, because you're going to need him in the second half, regardless of what moves you make. Randy, another thing that popped out to me last night that was really important was Junior Fernandez, again, Mm -hmm. going scoreless in the sixth and the seventh last night. He's not given up a run in six and a third inning since he came up from Memphis on June 22nd, and we talked a lot about the questions surrounding the Cardinals' bullpen and yes, we still want the Cardinals to be aggressive in fortifying all of their pitching at the trade deadline if they're really going to go for it. But sometimes these questions, those answers come up for you. And Junior Fernandez feels like he's one of those answers that the Cardinals have been looking for.
2: That earned run average. Zero point zero. Pretty impressive. Yes. And what the Cardinals need to do, in my opinion, and this isn't an affront personally to anybody, it's just based on the results that we've seen they have already had the opportunity to weed out TJ McFarland and they need at some point to get Nick Wickren. It it just doesn't look like it's happening for him. So hopefully they can get him either going or replaced by somebody who is a, a guy, a person that you can count on down there. But they just have too many pitchers where they turn a five three deficit into a seven three deficit and you need to weed those guys out and get people like J- junior fernandez with his
4: zero <laughs> point zero
2: era going on a regular basis verhagen is out mcfarland is out mm-hmm. get mats back yep get another pitcher get palante back down in the bullpen hicks hicks all of a sudden you're starting to feel better about the eight guys in the bullpen if you have those four that you couldn't count on, maybe five, not there anymore. Hitless as well
1: in those six and a third since he came up. I mean, this is a guy. He's not the most efficient pitcher. A little bit of trouble even yesterday, getting the ball in the zone, throwing strikes. But nonetheless, the fact that he's been able to hold these guys hitless and only has one mm-hmm. walk in that six and a third with that lack of control, that just tells you the kid's got chops. And if he can he can figure it out, that's another bullpen arm they can they can lean on here throughout the season. I
2: think. Yeah, and we can take shots at the Cardinals fairly. That they have been too patient with guys. But I kind of like that they give the opportunity to guys. They signed Verhagen to a two year contract.
3: You know but, what, though? If the Cardinals are too patient, they're going to get criticized. If yeah. the Cardinals pull the plug too early and they move somebody like Randy Rosa Reyna that they didn't give enough time to, they're criticized yeah. for that, too. They really can't win. Right. They're going to get criticized no matter what they but
2: do. It's hard for me to forget what McFarland did last year.
3: Yeah, double play TJ.
2: Right. So I, I wanted to see them give. Him the benefit of the doubt, and I think they did. You signed uh, Chris Vandreha to a two-year contract. I want him Drew to get, oh, Drew, Drew Drew, Okay, Drew yeah. Verhagen. I wanted him to get the benefit of the doubt. Whitgren has been a good pitcher up until last year in the major leagues. I wanted to see him get an opportunity, but we're almost at the halfway point of the season now, so you have to start weeding those guys out. And if somebody deserves an opportunity, to like Junior Fernandez. I'm glad they're getting that opportunity. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And that's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, a lot of legal stuff going on in the NFL. And it's got to be frustrating. And one quarterback who's still available is not a guy that some guys want on their team. We'll tell you who that is next on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
2: Time for some NFL news and notes on character and Smallman. And yesterday, Deshaun Watson's disciplinary hearing with the NFL started. Apparently, it will continue today. Mary Kay Cabot covers the Cleveland Browns for the Cleveland uh, Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com and was asked about when Deshaun's discipline will come
0: down.
6: Everybody wants it to be done by July 27th, and I, which is the start of training camp. I don't think anybody really thought it would go that long, but this is very, very complicated. The NFLPA is fighting this hard. They brought in their big gun to fight it. The NFL is not budging on one year. That is what they want. I mean, remember, they suspended Calvin Ridley, the Falcons receiver, for a year for, for gambling while he was out. So I think they would probably have a hard time trying to sell a six or eight game suspension for Deshaun Watson. But the NFLPA is, is arguing hard that there is no evidence. Even though the NFL strongly disagrees, the NFLPA is saying, look, there's no evidence. These are he said, she said incidents. They're all represented by the same lawyer. Conversely, the NFL uh, has presented the cases of five women who they think have uh, the strongest, most compelling evidence and cases and arguments. And uh, it's, it's a battle in there.
2: And Michelle, the hammer belongs to Roger Goodell, Mm -hmm. because the union can say whatever they want, they can argue all they want, but Roger Goodell has that personal conduct policy, which is negotiated into the CBA, it allowed him to suspend Tom Brady, it had allowed him to suspend uh, Kareem Hunt, it allowed him to pretty much end the career of Ray Rice, Mm -hmm. and if he wants to utilize the personal conduct policy, which he should in this case, he can.
3: There's 25 women that have come forward with these accusations against Deshaun Watson. And the New York Times had that bombshell report that revealed far more about what Deshaun Watson had been doing. That was in direct opposition to what he had expressed publicly. And the NFL has bungled this so many times when it comes to player discipline, specifically when it comes to violence against women. They've been very reactionary. I mean, the Ray Rice incident is a great example where Roger Goodell says, I didn't see the tape, and then TMZ has the mm-hmm. tape, and then they have to backpedal and then suspend him further. And I think this is a very unique position for Roger Goodell to be in because a lot of this information has been presented before they have these hearings. It's not where he's going to levy this discipline, and then what usually happens with the NFL, it comes out afterwards, and then he has to to kind of turn around and circumvent but I would be surprised Randy I know the NFLPA is pushing hard for six or eight games but I would be surprised if we see anything less than a year suspension for Deshaun Watson
2: Mary Kay Cabot does the the fact that Watson has settled 20 of these cases play a role here
6: To this point, it it really hasn't. They've done their own investigation. They talked to at least 11 of the accusers. They talked to Deshaun Watson for four days on two separate occasions, and they feel like they have what they need. They contend that there is a disturbing pattern of behavior. And, of course, the NFL is arguing that that these accusers were, you know, probably— you know, out for something, you know, for money or whatever the case that the NFLPA is arguing. And, you know, it's going to be a little while before they get to the end.
2: Not a good look for the NFLPA to to say that well, 25 women were just out. All, they all got together and they all conspired to file suits against Deshaun Watson to go out and get something out of it.
3: Independent women that he reached out to. Yeah, on, he reached out the to them on Instagram when this person has access to the best medical treatment in the country NFL teams provide all of that for their players and you mean to tell me that you can't deduce that booking 66 different women masseuses over 17 months through Instagram isn't a pattern of predatory behavior and by the way once you find out that the Houston Texans provided an NDA Mm -hmm. and that they were somehow aware of what a line being crossed to where they were giving Deshaun Watson an NDA to seek massages outside of their facility. There's just too, too many red flags here, I think, for the NFL to ignore.
2: And by the way, I, I get that the NFLPA has to do this. It's their job. Right. But it's still optically really, really ugly.
3: But what else are you going to no, do that's, that, that's, if you're the NFLPA? It, it's,
2: it's their job, but it just... Horrible optics. Meanwhile, Jimmy Garoppolo still has not been traded. He's not healthy enough. He had shoulder surgery and the expectation is, is that he'll be able to go once the regular season begins. Who will that be with? We don't know. But Michelle, as you were mentioning to me yesterday, there's a couple of former teammates that really aren't fired up about uh, the idea or weren't about playing with Jimmy G.
3: I saw this article. Martellus Bennett talked about it first and then Julian Edelman responded. Do we have that sound? Rockio, which one do we have here first?
1: Uh, this is this is Edelman reading Martellus Bennett's quote.
3: Okay, so this is Martellus Bennett had the quote first on a mm-hmm. podcast that he was doing, and then it was presented to... Ju- do, do we have the bleeps in this? Okay, there's <laughs> bleeps in this. Just wanted to make sure, because we didn't talk about this prior. So this is Julian Edelman responding to what Martellus Bennett said about Jimmy Garoppolo.
5: Bro, we lost two games. One of them was because Jimmy Garoppolo was being a... Hmm. He decided not to play right before the game. Jacoby Brissett came out and played with a fed up thumb and <laughs> played his heart out. But Jimmy was being a bitch about it all. Bennett said, hmm. That's why he you can't win with a bitch for a quarterback, first of all. That was the thing with him. He didn't want to come out and do anything because his agent was trying to protect his body or some shit like that. Hmm.
2: Well, it is notable that Jimmy Garoppolo's biggest inability has been his lack of availability. He's been pretty darn good for the 49ers when he's played. We don't know if the injuries were authentic, but if your teammates are saying that you don't want to play, that's a pretty big indictment.
3: When you don't want to play, and there was much more information that, that went on in that quote, I wish we had the full, the full brevity of it, but... They were talking about how this was during Deflate Gate, where there's those four games that Tom Brady was out and that Jimmy Garoppolo was a little banged up and maybe at the encouragement of his agent he didn't play. So Jacoby Brissett comes in and he has a completely messed up thumb, which for a quarterback is probably one of the worst things that can happen to you, and played his absolute heart out and they ended up losing the game. But Jacoby Brissett gained all the respect of his teammates in the locker room who also have played through a lot of injuries, while Jimmy Garoppolo certainly did not. And That's something that if you're, as these guys say, going to battle with someone and you're putting your body on the line and sacrificing potentially a paycheck for yourself um, because you need to go out there and compete for your team, especially in a situation Mm -hmm. like this when Tom Brady is unavailable and this is your opportunity to show that you can be the guy and you're not going to do that, I don't blame his teammates for being upset by that.
2: In Mike Martz's first draft, he took the fastest guy in the draft, a running back from Arizona named Trunk Candidate and he was going to be the backup for Marshall, who was very durable. But whenever Marshall would get hurt, Trung would get hurt. So it, it was one of those situations where, sounds similar, where he just didn't want to play. And maybe hmm. it was because he didn't want to get shown up by the legend that was Marshall Falk. But he would get hurt pretty much every time Falk got hurt, and then they don't have to go to the number three running back.
3: I'm sure Jimmy Garoppolo's agent was saying, you played good in the first two games you don't want to go out and have a bad outing if if you're injured that could impact what your market value is going to be because right now the entire football world is talking about you how you've come in in place of Tom Brady mm-hmm. and helped the New England Patriots succeed we're going to be if, if they truly want you out if a decision because you have to remember everything that, that was going on behind the scenes Then Tom Brady did not really want Jimmy Garoppolo around right. he viewed him as a threat so I'm sure if I'm his agent I'm saying the same thing you need to protect yourself because if you can't play and you're going to have a bad game, this is going to impact the bottom line and it's going to impact your checkbook and ultimately my commission.
2: My most important aspect of being a pro athlete, if I'm a pro athlete, to me the most important thing for me is what my teammates think of me.
3: And availability.
2: Right, and just trying to win, trying to compete. I don't care what the agent says. If you go out there and compete with a team like that, you should win. That's going to enhance your market value. And when other guys respect you, clearly Bennett and Edelman don't, it makes a difference. And other players around the league, those are two pretty big stars in the league that played on good teams. If they don't respect you, that says a lot.
3: And not only that, I know Bill Belichick thought a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo and said as much when, because he didn't want to let him go. But that kind of, those two things don't really work hand in hand with me. Because if Bill Belichick is thinking so highly of you, I can't imagine that he would think that over a guy that wouldn't want to play to potentially protect his checkbook. That does not seem like something that aligns with the ethos of Bill Belichick.
2: No, and well after that, Belichick got ticked off when they forced him to trade Jimmy G.
3: Yeah, but don't you think that if Edelman and Martell's Bennett, two guys who are championship-caliber players, are thinking Mm -hmm. that about Jimmy Garoppolo, that that also would have been something that rubbed Bill Belichick the wrong way? You would think
2: so. But, by the way, it's also not out of the realm of possibility that NFL players see the handsome, young quarterback and they think that he's a diva.
3: Yeah, but... When they think that about the handsome old quarterback that's been in their locker room for that many years, I don't know if that's necessarily something well, he, that would impact the Patriots of all teams.
2: But how can you criticize that guy? Because the only time he missed games with, was with a tourney seal.
3: And he won a lot of championships. Yep. But I'm just saying, I think that for them, it was more, I'm sacrificing my body. And look at the position that yep. that puts Jacoby Brissett in, by the way. You're not playing because you're injured, and this guy has a banged up thumb. And he's going out there and giving it his all.
2: Didn't Martellus Bennett play with Jay Cutler?
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: So that should tell us something, too, that he hasn't said anything about Cutler, to our knowledge.
1: I made a mistake. I didn't hear the, uh, the very end of the quote. I didn't hear how visceral Julian Edelman got at the end. Yeah, here, I wanted he, the whole here thing. Is, here is his reaction, kind of from your side of the perspective of the Patriot mindset.
5: A lot of guys got mad. I'm not going to lie, I got mad about it. You know, I sacrificed my body all damn long, all day long. I was taking shots for this, numbing up that, ribs, broken ribs, shoulders, you know, grade three hanging on by limbs just to play you know and you know I, I can understand why Hardy thinks like that
2: hmm uh by the way just as an aside here uh there was a game for the bears in which jay cutler hit martellus bennett 11 times for 83 yards and martellus bennett quote after the game this is a martellus bennett quote who just criticized jimmy garoppolo uh martellus bennett said to the media they threw rocks at Jesus, and Jesus was an excellent guy who did a lot of awesome stuff. Speaking hmm. of Jay Cutler, comparing him to Jesus. Wow. Yeah.
3: What year was this?
2: Uh, this was 2015.
1: The Bennett brothers just—they're. They're, I wonder. They're if very was, emotional people. I wonder
3: if that was before or after we saw Jay Cutler on the bike on the sidelines.
2: <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I guess we have to take what Martellus Bennett says kind of with a grain of salt.
3: But you know what? I take what Julian Edelman says with a bigger grain.
2: Catch the ball. Hey, Tom can't catch it himself.
3: He can't catch it and throw it. Exactly. I, my husband can't throw and catch the ball at the same time. <laughs> Facts, though, scientifically, it's probably impossible. True, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but do you think, though, real quick to put a bow no. on all of this, if those two guys are going out and saying stuff about this, about Jimmy G like this publicly... People in in the leagues talk. All mm-hmm. of these guys talk. Do you think that that's one of the contributing factors, along with health, that might be a reason why Jimmy Garoppolo well, hasn't found a home yet?
2: I kind of have recency bias, and I see him almost knocking off the Cowboys, or no, knocking off the Cowboys last year, knocking off the Packers with a, a totally mangled shoulder. He went out there and played with a totally mangled shoulder and won in Green Bay in the freezing weather, and then goes to Dallas. And lost to the Rams in the NFC Championship game. That's the last thing I saw of Jimmy G. So that's what I'm paying attention to.
3: And he's he's elevated the teams that he's been on. He's he's yep. gotten them to the place that they needed to be.
2: Yeah, uh, he wasn't Tom Brady, and that's hey. Mark Mark Bulger had that here. He wasn't Kurt Warner. It's you can be a pretty good quarterback, but if you aren't the guy, or if you're the guy that's following the guy, you're never going to get the level of respect that the guy got.
3: Yeah. Nobody's going to be Tom Brady.
2: No, that's right. Uh, that is Michelle. I'm Randy, and we've got the fight next on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, Average Joe Listener, and in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive, please welcome Randy Carriker.
3: It's time for the fight on Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Patrick is with us. He's going to be Randy's opposition this morning on the fight. Good morning, Patrick. How are you?
5: Good morning, Michelle. Uh, Randy's got a little chip on his shoulder these past couple days, time to take them down
3: today. Love that vibe, Patrick. I think you're the man for the job.
5: I I hope so.
3: No, you you know so, Patrick. You know so. Let's carry that confidence through.
7: Uh, let's do it.
3: All right. Well, question number one, Patrick. Here we go. Good luck. Three relief pitchers have won the MVP in Major League Baseball history. Raleigh Fingers did it in '81. Dennis Eckersley in '92. And who else? Was it Willie Hernandez, Eric Gagne, or Steve Bedrosian? Uh, Can you read those options again? Sure. Do you want the whole question or just the options?
8: Just the options.
3: Willie Hernandez, Eric Gagne, Steve Bedrosian.
5: Let's go with Gagne.
9: Who is the oldest
1: player to win an MVP award in Major League Baseball history? Is that Ted Williams, Willie Stargell, or Barry Bonds?
6: Let's go with the catcher himself,
5: Ted Williams.
3: Okay, Patrick, according to Pro Football Reference, Dan Dierdorf started multiple games at four of the five offensive line positions. What's the one that he didn't? Left tackle, left guard, or center? Uh, Let's
5: do center.
1: And who was the last player to hit 50 or more home runs in a season when his team won the World Series? Is that Albert Pujols, Luis Gonzalez, or David Ortiz?
7: I think it was, I want to say Albert, but I think it was Ortiz, so I'm going with Ortiz.
3: Waving in Randy. Patrick, you talked a big game. You talked a big game on the text line. You talked a big game when I welcomed you in. How are you feeling about that?
5: A little baseball heavy today, but much
3: expected <laughs> baseball season it is baseball season we have really got nothing else to talk about right now so you're gonna expect That's a fair. lot of baseball questions coming up
2: oh, training cam michelle starting in less than a month now
3: there you go randy say good morning to patrick
2: patrick good morning how you doing good morning randy how are you doing great thanks for listening thanks for playing we do appreciate it
4: no problem
3: are you ready to go sir ready three relief pitchers have won the mvp in major league baseball history how about that how about that randy do you know him, or do I need to ask you the question?
2: Well, you've got Willie Hernandez. You've got um, Raleigh Fingers. Do I need to do, do, do all three? What's the, what's the question here?
3: Well, you've already given the answer. So. Okay. It was Raleigh Fingers, Dennis Eckersley, and who
2: else? Uh, Willie Hernandez with the Tigers, well,
3: 1984.
2: There you go. <laughs> who is the oldest player to win an MVP award in Major League Baseball history? Oldest MVP in baseball history. I'm going to go... With Barry Bonds, steroid-aided Barry Bonds in, like, 2003,
4: maybe?
3: According to Pro Football Reference, Dan Deardor started multiple games at four of the five offensive line positions. Mm -hmm. What's the one that he didn't?
2: So he would have started at both tackles. He definitely started at center at the end of his career. And my guess would be that he probably slid in at right guard and didn't play left guard. That would be my guesstimate.
1: Who was the last player to hit 50 or more home runs in a season when his team won the World
2: Series? Ooh, this has not happened very often. Um, Because we went a long time without even a 30-home run hitter hitting, uh, winning the World Series. 50 home runs and one the World Series. I'll do the lifeline here, Matthew. Albert Pujols, Luis no. Gonzalez, or David Ortiz? Okay. Um, Gonzalez hit 57, but I don't know if it was in the 01 season. Um, Poppy maybe 18? Um. Albert's never hit 50, so it's not him. Uh. So... It's a coin flip between those two, and I, I'm going to go with uh, the again alleged. Well, how about if I go with this? The steroid era, Luis Gonzalez in 2001.
3: Randy Patrick talked a big game. He uh-huh. said you had a chip on your shoulder the past couple days. He was the one that was going to come in and kind of knock you down to size. Sure he is. He he texted in too, right, Rockio? Yeah, yeah. And he said,
1: said, yeah, Randy had Randy had you know uh, my name is Patrick and I want to fight Randy. He's been a little bit too cocky lately. Mm, mm-hmm. Been a
3: little too cocky, he says. I got that. Did he knock him off of his pedestal, Rockio? Ring the bell. Go
0: crazy, folks! Go crazy! Still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by High and Dry Foundation
6: Repair, home of the non-commission-based sales force and hassle-free warranty.
3: Excuse me while I whip this out. (laughs) Just win, baby. Excuse me, this is a family show. (laughs) Family show. (laughs) Kids in the car, Randy, going to camps. Maybe going to grandma's house because it's summertime. The letter. What are we letter. doing here? What are we doing? We are keeping everything right where it is. <laughs> Patrick, you talked a big game. You didn't get any right.
5: I know. I know. <laughs> I didn't feel good about it.
3: And Randy got all four right, Patrick.
5: Yeah, right. What he went through is it, it's, it's
3: mega mine. What do you expect? You're right, but I love your. Enthusiasm and your confidence, even if it was misplaced. Thanks I for listening. Too. Thanks for playing, Patrick.
5: Thank you, Michelle. Bye, Randy. No bye problem. bye. Great really. to have
2: you with us, Patrick. All I do is <laughs> win, 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 no matter what. Oh, it's too hot. Hot, hot, hot. It's so damn hot.
0: Milk was a bad
2: choice. And Patrick.
0: Don't stop believing.
8: Here's I
3: knew the when was coming. I am the champion. <laughs> I almost started. number <laughs> one.
2: Are you done? I'm done.
3: I think you've gone through all of them, so I think we're good here. <laughs> Randy, you got all four correct. Patrick got zero. That is not great. But let's roll it back. Raleigh Fingers, Dennis Eckersley, and Willie Hernandez are the three relief pitchers that have won the MVP in Major League Baseball history. The oldest player to win an MVP award in Major League Baseball history is Barry Bonds, who did it at 40 years old.
2: Old. old. But, you know, just chronologically old, Steroid makes, steroids make you a little younger.
3: I think that's the whole point. Yeah,
2: right, yeah. <laughs>
3: it's kind of their purpose. <laughs> the
1: non-adult added, I guess, um, I don't even know where I'm trying to go for now. The non-steroid answer would have been Willie Stargell then. He won oh, okay. a, th- a 39, like 40-day difference. Keep with mm. Keith
2: Hernandez? Yes, yes, we yep.
1: Wow.
3: According to Pro Football Reference, Dan Dierdorf started multiple positions at four of the five offensive line positions. The one he didn't start at is left guard.
2: Makes sense. Yeah. Just, yeah being on the right side. And I know he, he actually ended his career as a center after he tore up his knee in 79 and wow. spent the last few years as a center.
3: And the last player to hit 50 or more home runs in a season when his team won the World Series was Luis Gonzalez, who hit 57 in 2001 for the Diamondbacks.
5: That's it?
3: Well, you, you already knew all the answers.
5: You need to take the knife and jam it through their eye into their brain and kill them.
3: Randy, Patrick is dead. <laughs> <laughs>
2: He's already dead. <laughs> Randy killed the guy on the fight today. Did you hear that? <laughs> Our friend Polo Ascencio joins us next on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Tato elevado, oh, 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 profundo. Oh, oh. ¡Yepica, Yapes ¡A la historia
9: cuadrangular de tres carreras! ¡A la tierra de las hamburguesas! ¡Dos hamburguesas para todos mañana! ¡Una por cortesía de Goldie! ¡Otra por cortesía de Juan David Yapes. ¡Cuatro uh, carreras para los Cardenales! ¡Solamente una para los Marlins de Miami! ¡Le dio con todo!
2: That is the great Polo Ascencio. He does the Spanish language play-by-play for the Cardinals. And, Michelle, I was at the game yesterday, and whenever we go to games, I know you and I feel the same way. One of our favorite parts of being at the ballpark is getting a chance to say hi to Polo. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm gonna
9: start charging you people to say hi for you to you guys uh, I, I i I hear that quite a lot, and I'm not making any money out of saying hi to people, so Randy Michelle, you owe me five bucks, you can venmo me, sell whatever uh I even hey, hey, I even take pesos, so hey, dollar pesos, whatever just bring them.
2: it's worth it. It's worth it for us.
3: yeah, it really is there you go. <laughs> you
9: hey, just... let, let me tell you, let me let me tell you a quick quick, quick quick story, and you know I'm full of stories, all right. I asked uh, Matt Rockfield, hey, how long do I have? Five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes? Because I need to know, right, to pace myself. Um, And he's like, no, no, about nine, 10 minutes. I'm like, okay, then I have time for one story. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yesterday uh, at night, you know, I'm talking to my my daughter who was in California, where I still live. Hey, how you doing? This and that. How was the game? Oh, great call this, great call that. She's my biggest hater and my biggest supporter. And uh, she's like, what are you doing tomorrow? I'm like, oh, tomorrow I'm going to be uh, on um, on the morning show on ESPN at 8.45 a.m., which is 80, 8.45 here, 6.45 where we live. And then she replies back, oh, with salmon and cracker. I'm like, what? <laughs> and, then, and then I said, and "I said, salmon and cracker, you meet? She's like, oh, close enough. So from now on, you're salmon and cracker. So hey, what's up, salmon and cracker?
3: I love that. sounds like a delicious, delicious? combo. Yeah. yeah, I'll take it. Tell your daughter we'll take it, Polo.
9: <laughs> I know. Hey, I've been looking for a good bagel. Anybody know where's a good bagel here in San Luis? Hey, speaking of salmon, like lox, like, 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 uh, smoked salmon. So if I, if anybody knows where I can find a good, uh, uh, bagel with, with, uh, smoked salmon, please let me know at Polo Asensio on Twitter. And, uh, Polo's view on Instagram, even though I have an issue with my Instagram this morning, but it's okay.
2: All right. So please uh, let me know. Polo, I, I got let your go. I got your spot. It's uh, right here uh-huh. in Crevecore. It's down the street, it's on Olive. It's Pumpernickels Deli. They have Pumpernickels Deli. Pumpernickels Deli. Uh it's just uh east of Schulte. yeah, just east of Schulte on Olive in Crevecore.
9: Randy, Randy, it, it, it better be good because I've, I've heard my voice from the, uh, from the uh, wrist show in the morning, talk about it. But remember I live downtown. I actually live on top of the arch. If you, if you drive by the arch <laughs> and you see somebody on top, that's me cooking and then you know just having a good time up there. Um, that's where I live. So it's about 15 minute drive, but for you and to try that uh, amazing bagel when I'm craving my California style bagel with salmon and logs and, And and, and capers. You know, I'm a little fancy like that. But uh, what's up, guys? What's going on?
3: Polo, it's so great to talk to you. We could talk food forever, but I want to talk a little baseball with you. We loved your call that we just played. You bring so much energy and enthusiasm to the broadcast, and that's one of the many reasons that we love you, Polo. But you mentioned that you love stories, and there's so many young players on this team with great stories. What's the the best story for you that's happening with the Cardinals right now?
9: I, I mean, again, we only have, what, six minutes now. It's, it's, uh, it's crazy what, what, this, what the kids are doing, crazy. You know, last night, a, a couple nights ago with Nail. And then, hey, who knows who Capel, his, his godfather, is Roger Clemens. So last night we had Roger Clemens at Bush Stadium. I know, you know, we're used to having great people, great players, Hall of Famers, you know, especially Ozzie Smith. He's quite often at the stadium. But it's rare to have somebody from the outside world. Uh, and yesterday we had Roger Clemens at Bush. He came to support his godson, and next thing you know, Roger Clemens is right behind us in the booth. And and Benji, obviously, you know, they they, they played against each other. They they you know they say hi to each other, and I got goosebumps. Even though you know when he was a player, I didn't like him because who likes a good player on the opposing team? But I, when I saw him, I'm like, wow, this is the rocket in our booth. That's crazy. So that's a story that perhaps nobody knew, and now we know that. Capel has a, a, a relationship with Roger Clemens. I mean, Brandon Donovan. I mean, this guy came out of nowhere, like like legit nowhere. Even spring training, that's when a lot of people started noticing this guy. And now he has like 34 hits in the month of June. He's gonna be the the, the rookie of the month. And if you hey, if you start thinking he could be the rookie of the year, and if not him. Then you have Juan David (laughs) Gipicayepes. There's so many different stories that you can pick. You can go and pick Empalante. Empalante's been doing a great job for the Cardinals. I mean, somebody I know one day is going to write a book about the 2022 Cardinals and all the rookies that have made an impact. And I know Cardinals, St. Louis, we are known for bringing up people, like bringing up rookies in bunches and keeping them forever until – they are ready to go. And, and this year, we have done that, and, and I, I don't know if we're done because there's a few guys in the AAA and even A that are saying, hey, I'm here if you need me. So, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to pick one. It's really, really hard for me to say this is the one that I want, but if I have to, I, I'm going to side with, with Brendan Donovan. What that guy is doing, playing second, playing short, third, first, in the outfield, everywhere he goes. And on top of that, the beautiful hair flow. That lettuce oh, yeah. just flies when he's running. I mean, I'm jealous. I don't know why, but I feel jealous. Every I can't time I
2: imagine that out. you'd be jealous of somebody else's hair, Polo.
9: <laughs> <laughs> that's, it. Andy, that's a problem that I don't have. I actually like my bald head. And my wife wa- my my wife tells me, that's you. That's your trademark. You know, your bald head and your beard. Because one time in, in the off season, I shaved my beard and she was like, no. No, no, no! no. good thing is January because that thing needs to be up by April. Because that's you. That's that's in your bobblehead. That's your trademark. So, uh, I, 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 as much as I wonder how would I look with hair, I'm happy without it. No, you you, you yeah.
2: look magnificent. Hey, I, I want to ask about Ivan Herrera and your impressions of him. But before that, I want to know: Am I supposed to roll my R? Is it Ivan Herrera? Uh,
9: no. Well, it's not. Hey, hey, he, hey, hey! We're not laughing here. Ivan Herrera.
2: Herrera. Okay, thank you. Uh, Herrera.
9: Very good, Randy. Some, <laughs> I want to hear Michelle say it. Herrera. <laughs> oy, 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 oy. Say <laughs> <Yeah>, again for <please.
2: laughs> So what do you think of Ivan Herrera?
9: You know what? I, I love the kid. Again, he is one of those guys that we knew, right, a few years ago. Hey, that kid, that kid is good. That kid is good. That kid is good. He came up, he's just making the best out of this opportunity. I talked to him yesterday, and we talk about different situations, and it it took him, what, like a week to check a bunch of boxes. First RBI, first hit, first shot out, first first guy or first and second guy thrown out uh, trying to steal a base, and the kid is poised. He's very quiet. He's very, very quiet. He, He even looks a little shy, but then when he turns on, He puts his his, uh, uniform on. He turns into something different. And the one thing that I love about him and every other rookie on the team, they are not afraid to ask questions, Randy, Michelle, Matt. They are not afraid to go and talk to the big guys. How many times we see a rookie in any profession, even our profession, like somebody that comes in, an intern that comes in, and they don't want to talk to us because they think we know everything or we're going to be mad. Oh, this guy's been doing this forever. He's not going to try this he's not going to want to kind of uh, want to come and talk to me, and these kids are not afraid to go ask Wainwright to go ask Michael to go ask Pujols, even Yadi like Herrera when I talked to him yesterday, he kept talking about Yadi like if Yadi was in the, I mean we know that Yadi is somewhere in the team, but he is not here, and he kept talking about yaddy like yaddy this, yadi, that, Yari, 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 yadi and, and that tells me that this kid he gets it you know he gets his place in, in this team he gets the potential he has and he is just learning little by little little by little and at one point i believe he's going to be a, uh, he's going to be a superstar he is he has all the makings he can hit he can throw he can catch he can block and he can he can call a good game and we've seen it and we saw it against Wainwright. i don't know if you and, and you're going to have uh, uh Adam later you can ask him about this kid because he had a, a start with him the other day and they were, like, in sync basically the whole time, the whole game. And I think at one point, uh, Adam basically said, you pick, you you tell me what, what you want, because it would be intimidating for me as a rookie to see Adam Wainwright on the mound. But then when well, you believe, okay, I'm a rookie, but that's the reason why I'm here. And when Adam kind of pointed at him, like, you tell me, you and your computer tell me what you want. And the whole game was basically basically flawless. And that's when when he they got the shout-out. So... I, I am I am not impressed because I expected because I this from Ivan.
2: Polo Sencio, it's always great to hear your voice. We love having you on, and we will do this again soon.
9: Let's do it again soon, and tell Adam I said hi, please, and to start making fun of my big head. <laughs>
5: okay, we'll do it. We'll
2: do it. Have a great day, okay. Polo. We'll see you. Take care
9: Thank you guys
2: Thank you Thank you so much See so yeah, That's the Cardinals Spanish language Play-by-play man Polo Asensio He is so much fun
3: He is We gotta get him A good bagel In St. Louis
2: Yeah we can make That happen uh, That's Michelle I'm Randy You're killing me Smalls Coming up next
0: We're right back To the Character And Smallman podcast Presented by Dobbs Tire And Auto Centers On 101 ESPN What's totally killing Smalls right now?
4: You're killing me, Smalls. You're
0: killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought
6: to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime
5: snack and sip store.
2: 908 Time Check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And now is your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, and Joan Jett and the Blackhearts on June, July 5th. Tickets on sale now, and you can get them by just going to our website, 101ESPN.com or the 101 ESPN mobile app. Find a bonus chance to win free tickets, but win a pair right now. All you need to know is the answer to this question. Polo Asensio's daughter has a new name, for this show. What is Polo Asensio's daughter's name for this show that you're listening to right now? If you are Texter number 44, because Junior Fernandez hasn't allowed to run yet.
4: All right. Texter
2: number 44, you get the tickets to the concert. And don't forget to find that bonus chance to win free tickets at 101ESPN.com or on the 101ESPN app.
3: You're killing me, smalls. By the way, we might need to consider a show name change
2: that might have to happen. It's pretty good. A new open and everything.
3: It's pretty good. I'm not going to lie. All right, Randy, we talked earlier about Deshaun Watson and the fact that his hearing is underway right now. A lot of people are suggesting that he might be suspended for at least a year by the NFL, which brings back the question, what are the Browns going to do at quarterback? They fractured that relationship with Baker Mayfield. Could they bring him back? Well, he had a camp that he was conducting and he was asked about playing for the Browns again. Here's what Baker Mayfield said.
1: I think it's... uh, and pretty obvious the mutual decision on both sides is, is to move on you know I'm I'm thankful for my four years in Cleveland there's a lot of ups and downs and a ton of learning experiences that uh, you know I'll forever keep with me you know teammates and friends and, and relationships that I'll have for a lifetime and you know just flew in last night from East Lansing Michigan for Drew Stanton who's my mentor he was a quarterback there in Cleveland when I got drafted and just relationships like that you're just so thankful for so I mean the support staff in Cleveland, the people of Cleveland. It's a great sports town, so I'm thankful for it. And it's, There's no resentment towards the city of Cleveland by any means.
3: He also said in order for this to even be a consideration, the Browns would have to do some reaching out to him, but he was pretty steadfast in saying that it's time for both parties to move on.
2: Here's my opinion, especially at that position. When you tell everybody in the world, him, your team, your fans, that he's not the guy, you can't make him the guy again. That with a quarterback you can't say okay well we got a new guy we gave him 230 million guaranteed you're out and then when that guy gets suspended can't bring that first guy back it just doesn't work that way because everybody in the room knows that the the team the franchise doesn't respect him as a number one quarterback
3: and if i'm baker mayfield why would i want to go back to the browns after everything that baker mayfield has endured with the browns has he been everything that a number one overall pick should be probably not but he's gone through how many coaches and how many coordinators what were his numbers that he put up when he was hurt and you very publicly chose a guy who had all of these women accusing him of sexual assault before that was even handled from uh, a court perspective, and you gave him all that guaranteed money, they did him really dirty publicly, mm-hmm. yeah. Baker Mayfield. And in addition to not being able to bring him back and justify it to the locker room, if I'm Baker Mayfield, there's no way now that Desha- if Deshaun Watson gets suspended, that I'm going to bail out the Cleveland Browns.
2: No, I'm not either. I'm with you.
3: But it'll be interesting to see, Randy, what the Browns do. if, well, if Baker-
7: Sure,
3: but Is he going to be the guy for them? Is is this really if they thought he was going to be the guy, they wouldn't have gone out and given Deshaun Watson all that money.
2: Well, they signed him as the backup, but they're going to have to take a year off because you are going to win with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. They're just going to have to take a year off from winning.
3: And where do you think that Baker Mayfield will end up?
2: Boy, I really thought it would be Seattle, but they've shown no interest. Carolina is still talking trade, but they drafted a quarterback in Matt Corral. They still got Darnold. They've got four guys in their quarterback room. I don't know where he lands. I I would guess that ultimately he'll wind up getting cut and he'll have his choice of where to go on a minimum salary. And then the Cleveland club will have to, to pay the rest of his salary that he's due.
3: Who do you think finds a landing spot first, Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield?
2: I would say probably Mayfield because Garoppolo is going to have to prove that he's healthy and that's going to be a tough job because the 49ers really can't play him in training camp because they're, or at least in preseason games, because they have to be concerned about him getting hurt again. So I, I would think Baker probably finds it. At least we know Baker's reasonably healthy, right? Well, you would hope so. Yeah.
4: You're killing me, Smalls.
3: And finally, Randy, yesterday we talked about Freddie Freeman's emotional return to Atlanta and how uh, his teammates were uh, saying, we hope we're not second fiddle here with the Dodgers' Clayton Kershaw saying that. And yesterday, Freddie Freeman, this is from Buster Olney, who told friends that he's angry with how his free agent negotiations played out Is changing representation. He left his agent at Excel. He's currently listed as being self-represented. He came out and said that it was an emotional weekend for him and that he's changing representation. But clearly, this was not a place that he wanted to leave.
2: No, and well, I, don't, I don't know, as soon after Clayton Kershaw says, I hope we aren't second fiddle to fire agent then, I think I would let things play out. You aren't going to have to pay Casey Close during the rest of the season. I think I would have tried to make that change a little bit more under the radar than Freddie Freeman did. Because basically what he's saying is, yeah, I didn't want to be here. My first choice was Atlanta.
3: You know what he's saying? You are second fiddle.
2: Yeah, exactly.
3: He's he's confirming what Clayton Kershaw said. And I think this must have been something that was pretty evident before the weekend because, I don't know, I don't think that you think you're second fiddle if someone goes back to a place that they loved and had great affection for and is getting honored for winning a World Series. That's going to be an emotional time. But clearly there had to be something away from that that, that Freddie Freeman has been exhibiting that Clayton Kershaw was commenting on.
2: Yeah when Kurt Warner was coming off of his rookie year, he had two years in the league, he told his agent, get a deal done. I'm going to training camp. I'm the boss. Get a deal done. I'm going to training camp. If you're a player and you like a place that much and you've got more money than you can ever spend... You don't let the agent handle it because the angel agent is going to go for the most dollars. Mm-hmm. If you're a player and you want to be at a place, you say, get a deal done there. So it's as much on Freddie Freeman as it is on Casey Close.
3: Oh, yeah, he's in the driver's seat yeah. here. He's the one that gets to, to drive yep. the car. So. And by the way,
2: you say, if you don't get a deal done, you're fired.
3: Exactly. There you, you know, go. I'll
2: do it myself.
3: Yeah, and you would think... After And both sides were really sad about yeah. the, the air quotes divorce. So it seemed very strange to me that they weren't able to make it work.
2: Yeah, it's a shame. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. Coming up on 101 ESPN, the first American Live Golf Tournament event is coming up this weekend. Bob Herrig of SI is there, and he's next on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
2: Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, 101 ESPN in St. Louis. And we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And our longtime friend of the show, Bob Herrig of SI.com, joins us to talk about what's going to happen in Pumpkin Ridge this weekend. Bob, first of all, thanks for taking some time with
7: us. How are you doing this morning? Hey, doing well. Thank you very much for having me. And I
2: want to start with your book because you have a book out, Tiger and Phil, Golf's Most Fascinating Rivalry. I would assume that everything that's happened with Phil Mickelson over the course of the last year, uh, you're going to have to write an addendum to this book. The, the rivalry took a, a weird turn over the course of the last year plus, didn't it?
7: Yeah, I'm really hoping that uh, for the paperback version, I get to write another chapter or three. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been, uh, it, it, you know, I'll be honest, I, I don't think any of us saw what's coming, what's happened in the last six months. Um you know, if you'd have given odds on January first that Tiger would play the Masters and the PGA Championship and that Phil would not, I mean, they would have been through the roof. I mean, I don't even know if any, you know, it just it, the bookies would have thought that was an easy mark because it just didn't look like Tiger would be ready, and obviously nobody knew that Phil wouldn't be playing. So, and here we are. You know, Phil Phil missed the first two. Tiger did play the first two. Um, and fills and broiled in controversy. And for one of the rare times, the golf needle is really moving without Tiger. It's, um, it's, been, a, it's been a kind of phenomenal uh, last few months here in golf.
3: You're right, Bob. Live Golf has certainly moved the golf needle without Tiger. And when I look back at how this all unfolded, I'm wondering if the, the PGA Tour could have done anything to derail the plans that Live Golf had. What do you think?
7: Yeah, look, it's a good question. I mean, I think it's fair to to look into that. I I I've tried to write about that some um, you know, this threat has been out there for several years. It's it didn't just pop up this year. Uh, it didn't just pop up last October when LIV Golf named Greg Norman, it's it's uh, commissioner and CEO. I mean, there was another entity that was you know, that was basically doing the same thing called the Premier Golf League. And, and they, they actually, slid, some, lived, some people with Premier Golf League split in 2020 from, from them to, to form their own uh, entity. They kind of had the same ideas. And this goes back several years. I mean, there have been rumblings about an alternative series of events or tour or league where players would get some upfront money and play for big purses with no cuts. And it's been out there. And and in twenty twenty, right before the pandemic, the PJ Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan, you know, announced that the tour had signed a lucrative new TV and streaming rights deal that was gonna bring in substantially more revenue over the next, you know, eight to ten years, the length of that contract. And and they did some things. They in they enhanced the FedEx Cup immediately. Um, they started raising some purses. That was all part of the plan. That, was, that revenue was going to lead to them doing that. But they also put in place this thing called the uh, Player Impact Program, which Tiger actually won by not playing in a single tournament last year. And it was sort of meant to reward the needle movers, but it was done with a very, very nebulous formula that nobody could follow. And it basically steered $40 million to eight guys. Well, you know, Tiger got eight million and Phil got six. Well, four of the eight have now, you know, jumped to live. You know, Dustin Johnson, Bryson and uh, and Kepka also were in on that along with Phil. So, so what did that really prove? I mean, you know, that it's easy for me to say, but they needed to find a way to to come up with some guaranteed money for guys because that's that's been the issue. The golfers have come to believe, and their agents are talking that um, you know that, that that the idea that there's no automatic compensation for these guys is wrong and you know I, I think they probably have a point you know in, in all major sports there's no nobody's paying their own travel or their you know their own and, and not not guaranteed of getting paid if they if they uh, if they show up and don't and uh, and miss a cut and so there was probably something in there that might have of this. Now look, they were never going to be able to compete with the money being thrown around now. And let's be honest, they're they're doing that because Liv was desperate. So they, they, they had to they had to really overpay to, to get these guys to jump on board. And of course those numbers are extreme and that's here here we are with the with this you know, with the second live event and some pretty, some pretty big names that have jumped over.
2: SI's Bob Herrig with us on one one ESPN and you're up at pumpkin Ridge. What's the buzz like around the first live tournament to take place on U.S. soil?
7: Yeah, you know, it's still, I, it's still hard to tell. Um, you know, there's been some threats of, of protesting, um, you know, because, uh there's 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 some rumblings that the Pumpkin Ridge members, or at least some of them, are not happy about this. You know, not happy about giving their golf course, although they're getting paid. The the course is being paid a hefty rental fee, I'm sure. But you know, they're giving up their course for a couple of weeks. Um, they don't like the the Saudi involvement in this. The, you know that they're the funding source of Live Golf. That's controversial. So there's been some talk about that. You know, I haven't seen any of that yet. Today's the Pro-Am Day. Um, it's pretty quiet still. I, I, I think we'll see a little bit more tomorrow when it starts. And, you know, this I went to the London event, too, and, and, and you know, my, my take there was once the tee shots were in the air and they got started, you know, it, it seemed like a regular golf tournament, except for the shotgun start part of it. Yeah, you know, which is unique and, and, and a little hard to get used to. But, like, once they were playing, it, was, it wasn't it was goofy golf. It was real golf. You know, on a real golf course, it's going to be, you know, this, this golf course has some history. It's where Tiger won his third straight USAM, and it's where they had two US Women's Opens. Um, so, you know, that part of it's fine. It's all the surrounding stuff that we just don't really know where it's going.
2: Well, there's a ton of intrigue this weekend, and we want everybody to follow Bob Herrig on Twitter and read his great work at SI. And don't forget about the book, Tiger and Phil, Golf's Most Fascinating Rivalry. Bob, we always appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Have a great day and a great weekend outside of Portland.
7: Hey, thanks so much, guys. Have a great day. I appreciate having me on.
2: See you later. That is Bob Herrig. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, it is Wednesday. It's time for Wednesdays with Wayno with Carriker and Smallman.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Getting you inside the cars. Inside corner, and he struck him out. That strikeout number 1,000 at Busch Stadium for Adam Wainwright. It's Redbirds pitcher Adam Wainwright on 101 ESPN. Third time through the lineup. He strikes out seven, and he strikes out the side in the seventh inning. Presented by Chick-fil-A. Earn points on your next mobile order with the Chick-fil-A app.
2: Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. It is Wednesdays with Wayno with Cardinal Right-Hander and all-around great guy, Adam Wainwright. Good morning, sir. How are
8: you? Doing great, guys. How are y'all?
2: Doing well. Uh, We want to start with the hidden baseball yesterday. Uh, You put it up on your social media that uh, there was a baseball hidden inside the ballpark. We want to know if somebody found it and where it was.
8: Apparently, somebody did find it. Um and it was one of our uh stadium frequenters. Um we occasionally call them autograph hounds. They will uh they'll be there every day waiting for us at the gate. Uh, but, you know, his name's I think his name's Jacob. Jacob's uh a guy who's dedicated, man. He was there and he looked for it. I put it in a pretty hard spot too, but I gave a clue. Uh the picture of a it was on top of a little hot dog stand up on I think the third level. Way up, you know, not not an easy place to find, not an easy place to reach either. But um, I think I think from what I heard, Jacob is the one who who found it. Um, next time, I'll give an even less of a hint uh, because seemed like that that had a good response. So I'm just, you know, I like having fun. It seemed like people were having fun with it. So that's, that's great
3: well adam you hid the baseball during your day after pitching old man walk and we've talked to you about so many things i don't think we've ever even talked to you about your walks after you pitch and you did this one at bush stadium i'm curious is there any part of bush stadium that you haven't been to yet
8: uh i'm sure there is but it i don't know what that would be i've 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 been scouring through there pretty i mean i've even seen all the storage areas i think um but uh, there's probably something, you know, that, I've, that I haven't that I have been in. I, I don't know if I've been in Mr. DeWitt's office. Uh, that might be the only place.
3: Well, it seems like you might have to go visit him on your next walk. And I also want to know, how do you get your inspiration for the music that you choose when you do your day after pitching Old Man Walks?
8: It's usually just whatever, you know, feeling I have. One time my daughter, Bailey Grace, who's in the car with me right now. Um, Hi, Bailey. Hi, on Bailey. on Radio. <laughs> Hey. Oh, Sean Mendez radio she, she recommended, nice. Recommended uh Sean Mendez radio. Yes, uh, yesterday my walk, uh MLB, the MLB network followed me around and and uh videoed the whole process and uh one of the uh crew on that on that one of the crew members of that crew was named Jameson. and Jameson recommended um Led Zeppelin radio, which went, which ended up being an incredible radio station. The Beatles, and Rolling Stones, and Jimi Hendrix. It was just a great choice. That was a that's a. Yeah, you know, I can't believe I had never done that before. They're so legendary. But uh, that, was, that was the first time I had done Led Zeppelin radio on an old man walk, and it was great. <laughs> That's
2: awesome. <laughs> hey, Wayno, you are such an empathetic guy, and you're, you're so caring, and especially around your teammates, you, you worry about how they're doing. So when this happens over the course of the last several days to Jack Flaherty, what sort of communication have you had with him? What sort of inspiration have you tried to provide for Jack?
8: well i mean it's you know there's really nothing you can do or say to make someone 100 percent feel better in the moment like that because you just feel so bad for him because he's just trying his hardest to get back and and everybody's pouring a lot of time and effort into getting him back because he's a very important part of our team um but you know having gone through injuries before it, it is something that i've can speak to experience you know through experience from so uh he, he's taking it, you know, the best he can. He knows it's not a serious, it's not, it's not something that's going to keep him out all year, but it is a illustrating deal that, you know, felt like right when he was coming back, you know, he was throwing 95 miles an hour in his bullpen session the last time before game started. He was, his arm was feeling great. And then it just kind of took a turn south a little bit, but uh, I, I don't think it's anything that anybody's worried about. It's going to take him out for a long time. It's just something that, it's frustrating because he wants to be back so bad, helping our team, and we want to back too. He is
2: essentially three, four weeks into spring training, and we always hear in spring training about a dead arm. Have you ever dealt with that three, four weeks into spring training?
8: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something that everybody's gone through as a pitcher. As long as if you've done it for a while, it's something you're going to go through, and it's something you're going to have to get through, and and uh, it's just you know, it's it's something that you can get through in spring training while still you know, maintaining your work level and still, you know, knowing and expecting it to, to be done with. But at the big league level during games that count, you know, it's a lot to put on your team, um, if, especially if you're not stretched out yet. And he wasn't really stretched out where he needed to be yet. So it was smart of him to shut it down so that, that nothing, you know, coming off a shoulder uh, injury, is. it was smart of him to shut it down so nothing else bad happens.
3: Adam, I want to talk to you about your latest catcher, Ivan Herrera. We know you and Yachty are so connected. You've had a, a steady battery mate for a long time. But give us a scouting report on what it was like to throw to Ivan Herrera.
8: Well, I thought he, he, you know, he's got a lot of talent. He's got he's got he moves around really well. He's got a good arm. Um, he caught a he caught a really good game. He and I were on the same page most of the game. Uh, I was proud of him. I thought he did great. He's he's got some work to do. Uh, is what he'll he'd tell you the same thing. You know he's got some work to do. He's a young player. He's he's learning, and the big league level is a is a, is a hard place to learn. Uh, I wish we had our our man Yadier here to, to really help school him a little bit. Um, but uh, he I th- I thought he did great. You know I was real proud of him. He's, he kept his his head cool in the in the big moments when we had runners on base. He he stayed calm and and uh, kept his wits about him. Moved around really well. I thought he did great.
2: Adam Wainwright with us on 101 ESPN. And, uh, Wayno, you've told us before that your favorite pitcher to watch is the guy that's going tonight for the Marlins, Sandy Alcantara. It's not as fun to watch him when, he, when he's going against the Cardinals. <laughs> but, boy, has he turned into something, hasn't he?
8: Man, he is something. He is incredible. Uh, he's, uh, he's a guy that's one of the most talented people in all the big leagues. Going to throw a ball 100 miles an hour it sinks a foot i mean it's you know it's really kind of remarkable what he can do with a ball but his changeup and i told him last time I, see, I saw him i told him he had to he had to start saying no offense if you're going to throw a changeup harder than my best fastball of the season every time you throw a changeup you have to look out there and say with all due respect adam this is a changeup you know like you know, give the old man a little little respect here but uh, no, i i love sandy he's such a hard worker too such a good teammate um, those guys are lucky to have him over there and and what an incredible pitcher you know what I love about him too this is it's not he's not just a thrower sandy is a pitcher you know he's out there he he could he could go out there and just let it eat a hundred plus every pitch and just kind of fire it wherever he wants to but he's working in and out he's working up and down now even too he's work oh he's uh he's working that change up in got a little slider to go with i mean it's fun to watch him pitch and he is, that's what he is as a pitcher
3: He really is. He's such a great talent. And one of my favorite things to do is read the Cardinals magazine. Whenever I get it, I devour it cover to cover. And I love reading your article in there, Adam in the Garden, where you take uh, your favorite Bible verse of the moment and you write about it. Uh, We've never talked about this, I don't think, on this show, which is surprising because we've talked about things that are so important to you, baseball, your family. But we know that your faith is something that's really important to you, too. How do you choose what to write about when you have to write Adam in the Garden?
8: well elizabeth Meineke, uh who works for the cardinals does a great job of of uh interviewing me during those those processes and and uh elizabeth and i sit down she'll call me and then and she'll go all right it's time for your uh for your for your verse what what are you going to go with and i'm like oh <laughs> you know sometimes i've sometimes i've been thinking about that and really Gameplay and what I'm going to talk about, and sometimes that's that's a, a move in the Holy Spirit where it just kind of comes to me in the moment. But you know, I have my I have my biblical heroes too, my favorites that um, that I talk about and and uh, write about and 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 have written about because I led a led a Bible study through social media for a couple of years in a row and and uh, just learned a lot in that process. But you know, you learn you learn who you kind of click with too, um, who who really re- you relate to and who. Who inspires you in the Bible. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of characters to go with. So it's not something that, um, that there's short on material, if, if you know what I mean. So I uh, just, I don't know. It's a really cool thing that they do there to let me have that for. I mean, la- last night, actually, a, a guy, uh, cause he looked at the ball that I signed. Sometimes I'll sign my signature in a Bible verse under it. And somebody said, uh, Hey Adam, please keep religion out of baseball. And I, and I was just thinking, you know, how do I respond to that? Because mm-hmm. Um if you watch me play or if you get to know me um my faith is is really what makes me who I am. So uh if you get me, you're going to get some of that whether you like it or not whether you like it or not and and hopefully I try not to be like in your face, you know, preaching at you all the time. Hopefully what I'm doing is uh is living that out and walking my faith out every day uh in a natural kind of way so that um people ask questions but but they shouldn't have to, to have me preaching at them all the time. I should be preaching a little bit with the way I live.
3: Well, we definitely think you are, Adam. I'm just curious, is that something that's prevalent in the clubhouse? Is that something that you and your teammates share in as your faith?
8: I missed what say.
3: I said, is that something that you guys talk about in the clubhouse? Do you, do you and your teammates share in your faith?
8: Absolutely. We have, uh, yeah, we'll have. 20 guys in chapel um we'll we'll uh we'll have you know 10 to 12 guys in bible studies when we get together on the road and and uh it is a it is a great time of growth off off the field which is a very very important thing in whatever that is right if that's fantasy football or if that's if that's uh uh, getting together for bible studies or big league dinners growing together off the field is what helps players grow more on the field together and click better. And and we have an incredible group of guys that get together and, 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 you know, do life together. It's more than just playing baseball. We're, We're trying to do life together also.
2: Adam, one of my favorite stories is, when you kept inviting, and you mentioned you're not in your face with it, but you would invite Chris Carpenter to your golf tournament every year, the one down in Georgia, and he declined, 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 and then one year he accepted. And and all you had to do was be consistent with him, right? And finally you got him down there, and it changed his life.
8: Well, it did. It, I was, I'm, I'm grateful to be part of his story because he's such a big part of my story. You know, he helped me um, – is such an incredible mentor on the baseball field and learning pitching and and uh, how to get hitters out and how to be a professional and 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 I was able to to turn around and sort of walk him through and and, and almost be his mentor in in, uh, in a spiritual in a spiritual way. So um, that's that's a that's a that's an amazing thing for me to to feel like I was a part of because um, so many people have poured into me. It, it's nice to be able to pour into to somebody who who actually made such a difference in my own life.
2: Hey, I wanted to ask you one more thing, because every every Wednesday, Michelle and I start our show with this.
0: Guess what day it is? Huh? Hump day! <laughs> so,
2: I'm wondering, with the baseball player and the baseball schedule, is there a hump day? Does Wednesday mean anything different to you than Sunday does? <laughs> what day is Wednesday? Well, it's Wednesday's with Wayne Day, and it's hump day. <laughs>
8: What I mean is, I don't even know what day it is at all. I know it starts with a Y, and we got a baseball game. That's really what—that's that's what I know. And I know it's Sunday because we have we have chapel, and, and sometimes we have Sunday night baseball, and uh, you know, sometimes we'll have Wednesday day games. Sometimes we have Thursday day games. You know, sometimes we have Monday day games. So that's kind of hard to keep up with. But honestly, once the ga- once the season starts um If you ask almost any baseball player what day of the week it is, they have no idea. You know, and they'll say, "Hey, what are you doing for so and so holiday?" And you're like, uh, "I don't know when that is," <laughs> because we play on all the holidays. So it's not like we get those times off to kind of playing around or whatever. So every day is the same to us uh, until the games over, until the seasons are over. Almost, I mean. They, You know, there's a a couple of days here and there where you go, oh yeah, I know why today's July 4th or whatever, Mm -hmm. but other than that, you're just out there playing, Randy. You don't even know what's going on.
2: Yeah, and that's great. I love that. The, the just the consistent rhythm of a baseball season, and that's part of it is is not knowing what day it is. Hey, so many incredible things happening with uh, Big League Impact. We we've had some great events that raised a lot of money over the course of the last month, but it doesn't end. And I know that you're so proud of so many players that are partaking of uh, what they can do with their platform for Big League Impact.
8: Yeah, it's special. We got tons of guys around the league doing. Doing uh, programs this year, and and uh, right here in St. Louis, Miles Michaelis is. We have a thing called the All Win Campaign. When 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 the Cardinals win, everybody wins. We we're supporting some great things. Each player has pledged a certain amount of money per win. Um, Miles Michaelis is supporting the the Crisis Aid Women's Shelter in St. Louis that uh, has rescued and houses people from um, trafficking. I mean, it's just crazy that that's going on in the United States. Um, Tommy Tommy. Edmund is supporting the, the public schools of St. Louis Foundation, and that is a, a really cool thing. They're, they're buying um, the technology in the classrooms that these kids need to go out and, and do, their, do their homework and study and have all the resources they need within the classroom. Um, Goldschmidt is, is supporting um, uh, Habitat for Humanity. They're building a house, actually, this year through, through his uh, all-win campaign. And uh, I'm I'm supporting the crisis aid community outreach, which is uh, providing meals for local families in need. Um, so that's just right here in St. Louis. What we're doing with the Cardinals through the All Win campaign, people can get on at bigleagueimpact.org and join in with us uh, for our All Win campaigns. Each win we do is going to support those initiative, those initiatives right away. All the money goes directly towards those initiatives. It's a really cool thing, and 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 uh, also fantasy football. It's on the horizon. We're almost there. It's almost time to start thinking about it, and, and uh, we're going to be doing our great fantasy football event at Bush Stadium this year again, too.
2: I'm still suffering over missing the playoffs by two points mm-hmm. last year, but I'll, I'll rebound. I'll rebound this year, Adam. I'll be back.
8: That's right. If you if you win first place, you don't have to worry about two points, Randy. You know, you
2: can... <laughs> point well taken, Mr. Wade. Right, you got me there. Hey, we're so thankful for what you do for our community, and so thankful that you join us every Wednesday. We know that it's a special day for us. So uh, have a great day. Uh, say, tell Bailey we said thanks for taking, sharing uh, her dad with uh, with your time with us this morning.
8: I'll tell her. She's right here. I'm proud of her. We're dropping her off. She's helping with uh, Crisis Day today. She's going to be volunteering in in, in our community here in St. Louis. So uh, She's making me proud.
2: Absolutely, and we're proud of her, too.
8: Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. See you
2: guys. See you later. That's Adam Wainwright, Wednesdays with Waino on 101 ESPN. By the way, in addition to getting a Sunjoy on Wednesdays, and part of the proceeds from every Sunjoy sold on Wednesdays goes to Big League Impact, but our friends at Chick-fil-A now are also offering you, on the day after Albert Pujols hits a home run, Mm -hmm. everybody in St. Louis. Everybody in St. Louis gets a free waffle fry with the Chick-fil-A app the next day. So Albert hits a home run today. Tomorrow, you have that Chick-fil-A app downloaded. You get free waffle fries at Chick-fil-A. What a deal. Everybody in St.
3: Louis. Not only do we want Albert to hit home runs because we want the Cardinals to win and him to get to 700, you're going to get Chick-fil-A waffle fries out of the deal? What's better than that?
2: Pretty good. So good. To, you know, it, it's so cool to have him back. It was so fun to walk. You know, he's always smiling now. You walk he into is. the clubhouse yesterday and, Hey, Rangi, how you doing? And shakes my hand. He's just uh, such a, a... a an important part of St. Louis sports history. And I'm really thankful that he's back here for this last year. Everybody said when he signed, it's, it's the way it should be. And it is. It's the way it should be. He should be in St. Louis.
3: What did he say? This is the way my story has to end? Yes. But I will say, as people that have been around him in his first stint here in St. Louis, it's a completely different energy.
2: He wasn't smiling all the time then. No,
3: he was not. And we talked about this actually before the show. I don't think his drive to be great allowed him to smile when he was at the ballpark. This was a man that was focused and locked in at all times. And that's not to say that he didn't relax perhaps when he was with his teammates or when he had downtime, but when the media would be privy to him, he was always focused on baseball. And not that he's not now, but he just seems to be savoring this and enjoying his time back here.
2: And let me add one thing, because you're 100% right. He he was focused, he was intense, he was in his prime, and he was playing for Tony Larusa. Great point. So, so, everybody's driven by. T- there's not much time for smiling on game day when you're playing for the skipper.
3: There's a lot of guys with that energy at that time. Albert, yeah. Chris Carpenter, there's just some guys that are that intense, their foot is on the gas at all times. You know who gives me those vibes now when I'm at the ballpark is Nolan or not? He
0: all.
2: really does. He uh, is me too.
3: Fire and intensity all the time.
2: Yep. Hey, we're going to head down the stretch here, and you've got a balloon party coming up with T Mac and Ajax on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers On 101 ESPN
2: Congratulations to Steve from St. Peter's He's on his way to Motley Crue and Def Leppard And Poison and Joan Jett and the Blackhearts Next week at Busch Stadium Should be an epic concert, Michelle
3: I know you'll be there, Randy. we will
2: be as good as it gets. <laughs> uh, great job today by our producer and engineer, the one, the only, Rockio. Uh, pleasure. You know what? Rockio.
3: Randy, very good.
2: Thank you very much.
3: Polo Sensio, tell yeah, you how just... to roll your R's today.
2: Yeah. so Rubbing in that
1: I can't roll my R's today. That's This <laughs> This has been a rough last hour for me. I can't do it.
2: So who is it? Uh, who's the uh, Colombian uh, hips don't lie? Shakira. <laughs> Shakira. She does a lot of... Colombian <laughs> <laughs> right hey i i had the idea shakira yeah she was on the voice
3: have you watched the jennifer lopez documentary about the halftime performance with JLo and shakira
2: oh no i have to see this
3: 10 of 10 okay I'll I, check cried. It out. I cried it's very good i cried more than once yeah, well, it's very good the only thing
1: i know about is that JLo's like it was very angry they were like you're, you're gonna give a latino woman the, the the stage and you're gonna make her share it and split it and That's like right. it, and like how like hurtful and insulting that was and i was like these are the kind of perspectives I'll never have from my thing. I never even, that never even crossed my mind that that was an insulting thing for them to do at the time.
3: They tried to, spoiler alert, watch it, it's great, uh, and it really gives you a glimpse into how long it takes to build a halftime show mm-hmm. and everything that goes into it. Uh, they tried to change it the night before because they didn't like some of the messaging that Lo and Shakira wanted to put mm-hmm. out oh, there. Wow. And she the night before the show, she was like, mm, no.
2: Important things you learn on salmon and cracker. <laughs> on 101 ESPN. For all of us, thanks for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Tim McKernan's already really ready and really mad. He's next on 101 ESPN.
0: You've been listening to the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts.
3: Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa.
7: Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.